struggle. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're live. The president's now blind. He's been staring at the sun all day, trying to see the eclipse. There's photos of it. Mike Baker, help us out. What What are we doing, man? Well, I'll tell you, that's probably again. It's a, it's it's an indication that they don't have a lot of discipline in, in that communications department of the White House. No one got him the message. Don't, sir, sir, don't, don't look at the sun. Not only that, definitely don't look at the sun while people are looking at you. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ, the whole world is going to mock you. Does Don't you know even, that? Everybody yeah. knows this since they were a kid, right? Even <laughs> even if you've never been involved in an eclipse, every kid knows, don't look at the sun. It's the one thing that yeah. every child learns somehow. You know what I tried to do, though? I'm a fucking idiot. I took uh, <laughs> two dark sunglasses. I put them on top of each other. <laughs> That'll work. I put one pair, and then I put another pair over them. It doesn't work, folks. Yeah, Don't but it looks it good. It, yeah. it does look good. But I only looked for a second, and then I went, oh, okay, this doesn't work. But you know where I could look at it? I could look at it through my pool. Like the reflection oh, in the sure, pool yeah. and yeah. see the eclipse. Yeah. There you go. But it never really got fully dark here. You know, we're too low. Yeah. We, I just came down from uh, from Idaho. Um, I was up there in the mountains over the past few days, and it was just it did just hippies coming in from left and right. <laughs> and the, the entire state just overrun with hippies. And, they're, I mean, they're parking in people's, you know, ranches. They're just driving up on fields that have just been planted. They're just, oh. it's the weirdest shit. It's like they don't even think. And so... They, but they came out, hey, you know, hey, God bless them. I, I don't know that I was intellectually curious enough to really, you know, worry about the eclipse. <sighs> There's a balance. And you know what? I think a lot of intellectual curiosity is great and a lot of hippie values are great. But then you go too far into the hippie retard gene pool and you get these dopey <laughs> hippies that are hippies that... You know, they're the worst kind of hippies, the hippies that don't really want to do any work, but they want universal basic income. Yeah. They want all these, hey, man, these one percenters, they have plenty of money so that no one should have to work ever. They just passed a they passed a tax up in Seattle that's gonna, it's probably going to get struck down, but it basically was up in Seattle. Well, God bless them up there. They, they've decided that they're going to go against the state charter, which says you can't have a, a tax, right, an income tax. And uh, they've gone ahead and done it for the, I think it's for the top 2% or something oh, like that. Oh, only tax them. Yeah, only tax them. Only tax yeah. the people who are doing something. Right, because, you know, you got to make this thing more equitable. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's really funny. Well, what's interesting is that's the whole reason why a lot of companies like Amazon and Microsoft, that's the reason why they've located to Seattle, you fucking exactly. dummies. And they're going to pull out, and then you won't have any jobs, and then you'd be poor. Yeah, but you know kidding? what? Somebody's going to pay for that. Yeah. Uh, we came from... We moved out from uh, Fairfield County, from New Canaan, Connecticut, when we moved out to Idaho, which was the world's greatest move. Oh, and, it's the best move oh of all time. God. And, Connecticut and sucks. I say it over and over again. Sucks. And but Sorry, the thing folks. was, yeah, I mean, but they know it, right? The people yeah. of Connecticut know it. And, You're good people, but you live in a sucky spot. And and they, they their plan, um, the 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 plan of the governor uh, and the rest of the crew there is, when you need more money, tax Fairfield County. Right, which is home to New Canaan and Greenwich and Darien and, and Stanford. The, the people that work in the city or the people that are working in finance. And now what they've, what they've had over the past three, four years, uh, ever since the, the governor's been running the shop, is uh, people moving out. I mean, every, uh, GE moved out. Oh, General boy. Electric, the entire operation for General Electric said, went to the state and said, I know people are thinking, why are we talking about this? But they went to the, 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 the state house and they said, 
you can't keep doing this. You can't keep jacking it up on us to pay for everything. We're happy to pay, and we are paying our fair share. But so they did that. General Electric said we're going to move. The state didn't believe them. They've all relocated to Boston. Um, they've got uh, uh, who else is moving? Aetna, I think the uh, the large insurance company. You know, now Connecticut's known as sort of the insurance capital, right? They're leaving. Hedge funds, private equity groups moving down to Florida, and again, great, pay your fair share. But at a certain point everybody's got to contribute something, mm. right? You can't just say, that's what you're going to do. And I'm not in the 1%. I wish I was. It used to be when you were a kid, you wanted to be rich, right? Now, you know, I don't know what people want. You want to be in the middle. You want to be comfortable. Yeah. That's where you want to you be. You want to be comfortable. I, I don't know. I, I always thought it'd be pretty cool to be wealthy, you know? And, and I think I'd be pretty good at it. My friend could, Brian Callen said it best once, and it stuck with me forever. He said, you know what you want to be? You, go, you want to be to the point where you don't have to worry about your bills, and you can go to a restaurant and not worry about what you order. He goes, yeah. everything other than that is bullshit. Yeah, because everybody, you know what, and that's that's a good point, I guess, because that's you take that stress out of your life, yeah. and then I get, well, I guess you're going to worry about it somehow. Well, people find <laughs> yeah, extra yeah, stress. Right. They'll find stress. Right. I mean, like, look at these assholes that buy these $500 million yachts. It's like, they just realize, like, I don't have enough uh, problems in my life. Yeah. I need to buy a fucking floating city. And then I got to I gotta hire a, a crew of 100 to Who work hate on me. it. Yeah. Who hate me. talk shit about me every time I turn my back. <laughs> I mean, I want to fuck yeah. my wife. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. I got to get in line. Yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> is that bosun's mate finished? I bosun's mean, mate. I don't know if I came up with bosun's uh, mate. Is that a real thing? I think it is, yeah. I think there is such a thing as a bosun's mate. There's always like this like ebb and flow, right? I mean, the people that have accumulated too much wealth, especially when it comes to like hedge fund people and finance people, it's like, what are you actually doing? Right. And you're using that money to influence policy, and that policy allows you to extract more money from the system, and it gets real slippery because occasionally you guys fuck up and it crashes the whole economy. Right. Like that kind of money is like very creepy. But when you're talking about someone who's developed a legitimate product, they sell it and they're successful, they work hard, they've made something, some they're sort of business. They're building a business. Exactly. Yeah. 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 They're hiring people. They're, you know, yeah. Uh, no, there's a, there's a there's house. A balance. Yeah. For sale up in the Hamptons now. There's a house for $175 million. Seems logical. Yeah. $175 million. <laughs> but you know what? It's on the beach. So it's on. it's got waterfront to it. So oh. I guess that explains the price tag. But here's the thing about yeah. that waterfront. Anybody can walk in front of your yeah. house. Yeah, that's true. That's a huge problem in Malibu. There's this uh, a couple of my, that I'm friends with, and their sons surf, and they live in Malibu. They have a house in Malibu, and they were surfing in the water in front of this house. This guy comes out and yells and screams at him, you know, get the fuck off the beach, because, you know, he has this oh, okay. $10 million yeah. house right there on the beach. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, we live right over there, you piece of shit. Yeah. And like, not only that, anybody can be on this beach. This yeah. is the ocean, you cunt. Yeah. You don't own the ocean. You don't see any private beach signs up yeah. in, in, and for the most part, that's true, up in, in the Hamptons. I think this actually has some private beach frontage, which again, so the $175 million seems somewhat reasonable. The uh, Hamptons' most expensive home. Okay, there it. it is, right there. $175 oh, million. Yeah, Whoa, look at that. He's got a, a lake. Uh, he's got a lake, and then further past the lake... Wow, they all have lakes. Yeah. What is that? that? Is that freshwater or brackish water? That must be brackish water, right? I guess. I guess. Uh, That'd be pretty badass, though, to fish in your front yard like that. I wonder if the kitchen appliances convey. How big is this house? Yeah. Is that, wait a minute, that overhead view was the entire property? Mm Mm-hmm. Ooh, baller. You know what, though? But Here's it the thing. But look at that picture, though. Does that look like $175 million in your mind? I mean, you think the whole fucking thing should be plated in gold. 42 acres. Jesus. Wow. Okay. There you go. That's what. That's what it is. Yeah. Oh, the Ford family. Oh. Ah. Oh. Well, yes, the go. car company. Yeah. 
So hashtag uh, balling on Mustangs. If you get, I, I think you're right. If you get to that point where you can entertain the idea of maybe I'll, I'll put ten percent down and then I'll take the rest in a mortgage. Mm. Um, then yeah, you've probably got too much money. It reminds me of that scene in The Big Lebowski when you meet the yeah. big, the other Lebowski, and he's in the wheelchair, and his wife's offering to suck dudes' dicks for a thousand bucks. You know, it's like that's the kind of shit that happens. Yeah. You get a trophy wife, you buy yourself a mansion, and your days are just filled with stress. That's such a great movie. It's a great movie. Oh, God, I used to use that yeah. movie to judge whether or not I enjoyed people's opinions. Yeah, like, like yeah, yeah, tell me yeah. what you think about the Big Lebowski. Oh, it's fucking stupid. I didn't get it. Oh, yeah. Okay. I talked to a lot of people. They said I couldn't make it through the first hour. And I'm thinking, oh, God, how do you not? How do you not find this funny? <laughs> Jeez, I let my kids watch it. I mean, the, admittedly, the two youngest walked away, but the older one, hey, you know. So anyway, uh, yeah, I'm taking him fishing tomorrow morning. We're off to Alaska in the morning. Oh, yeah. salmon or halibut? Uh, salmon. Nice. Yeah. And if the salmon aren't, aren't uh, you know, interested in us, we'll go after some halibut. Maybe this some is a uh, silver salmon season right now, right? Is king. That what you, oh, yeah, king. king. So you're king, on the yeah. open water? Yeah. Is that where you guys are going? Well, we'll go, yeah, we're going up to Ketchikan, uh, which is a really interesting place by itself. And then we've got to take a... a plane out of there about uh, about 45 minutes outside of there to a little place called Yes Bay and they have a really good operation up there and you, you spend a lot of time uh, to be honest with you if the, if the fish aren't you know biting then we just go hiking I'm gonna take my boy this will be the first time for him to go up there and it's gonna be great it's great but I've, I've just now emptied uh, the freezer of uh, salmon and halibut and rockfish from the last trip so oh. it's time to stock up again but it's it's just a great time of year isn't that a great thing to have fish that you caught in your freezer yeah. that you can go back to that you know was only like an hour old by the time you threw it on the ice yeah it's just, it's fantastic and so if it, and, and just also just getting up there if people haven't been up to Alaska get up there and see it before it melts <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I think it's going to be so fine. depressing. It'll be fine. Are you worried yeah. about it? Um, you know what? Not in the sense that, oh my God, if I if I don't quit driving my wagon here, the glaciers <laughs> are going to you know all melt away. I, I you know I'm sure we have some impact. I mean, it's like everything else, right? It, yeah. the, the truth is in the middle somewhere, right? Right. So I'm sure we should all do our part. But do I think we're all going to you know the polar bears are dying off tomorrow? I know, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, there's I'm definitely gonna, everybody with their ideas. Yeah, there's definitely yeah. some issues with polar bears in mm -hmm. areas that have less ice. But apparently Absolutely. the polar bear population, this is something that I read about Canada, at least in Canada, the polar bear population is higher than it's been in years. Yeah. There's uh, there's not a shortage of polar bears, but yeah. if you go over there to, like they have hunts for polar bears, like they pay people to take them on polar bear hunts, but then you can't bring the polar bear back to the United States. So you can keep it in Canada, you can, like if you come from Europe and you want to hunt a polar bear, yeah. you can, it's all very but weird. Could you imagine trying to pack a... Polar bear back into the states. Jesus yeah, Christ! No, I just shot that. You yeah. know, really, you can see what what the reaction would be. I, you know what? I, I think it's, yeah. Everybody should do their part, right? There's no doubt about that. You know, don't be a douche. And and, and but the problem is, in part, it's like both sides they latch onto one piece of information right. right so like what you just said you know the polar bear population grow so uh, you know the one side will latch on and say see there's no such thing as, as climate change and the other side will find one piece of it and they'll latch onto that and then yeah, okay and like i said i i'm a big believer that somewhere in the middle is where most of the truth sits but i'm uh, sure yeah. i mean there's definitely polar bear problems higher north right in the ice caps and mm -hmm. i mean i've seen some some issues where they're talking about polar bears starving up there and the lack of ice contributing to starvation deaths and yeah so i, I but it's it's uh 
Regardless, I'm looking forward to Alaska. I, I think uh, it's uh, regardless of what the hell happens to the polar bears, I'm going to have a good trip. Um, but I think it's it's a beautiful state. People should get up there if they haven't been up there. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's one of the rare places that you could go to in America that is like real wilderness. I yeah, mean, that is a really wild place. And, and you can get yeah exactly. And it, and it doesn't take it doesn't take much to get up there. I don't right. mean money. I just mean it doesn't. It's not the effort that people I think sometimes imagine it to be. Right. And uh, yeah, so it's it's uh, it's it's a great trip. Uh, kids really looking forward to it. And it's it, weird yeah. that it's the United States, isn't it? it? Is, when you yeah. look at the map, you're like, no, you're hey. right. Yeah. <laughs> you think about how it was put together. That's a fascinating yeah. story. I, 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 for what that's worth, people. That's another good, interesting read. Is how we cobbled this country together. Yeah. And sort of some of it was, you know, just incredible genius on the part of some folks. Some of it was serendipity. Some of it was, you know, short-sighted vision on the part of the Russians or the, you know, the, the French or whatever. Well, they fucked up with Ru- with yeah. Alaska. Yeah. The Russians fucked up. Yeah. What did they give that to us? For like 50 bucks? Yeah. Wasn't, it wasn't much money. It wasn't much, no. no. So we got I guess we got our money's worth out of that by now. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so yeah, we'll do that. And, and, uh, and, and <laughs> I planned this trip. Of course, their school starts tomorrow. They're, they're all three of them uh, oh. are in elementary school. So their school starts tomorrow. And, uh, and I gave my kid the option. I said, do you want to, you know, he starts in fifth grade. I said, do you, do you want to stay here so you don't miss the first few days of school? And he looked at me like, what are you, what are you crazy? <laughs> exactly. He said, you're an idiot. I mean, that's, how, but that's what his eyes said. He didn't say that well, to what, me. How old is he? He's uh, just turned 10. He's going to learn more in the woods. Absolutely. Absolutely. For a couple uh, yeah. of days? Yeah. Have a good time. Have a wonderful experience. And the grizzlies are out because, of course, Ooh. the grizzlies are out looking for the salmon. I mean, and it's a, it's just fantastic. They say, you know, so they nice. say that's yeah. the safest time to be around them. It's yeah. so when there's salmon out. Yeah. They're just fat and happy. They're, and they're, they're, they don't bother they're, you. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, now if something happens to my 10-year-old, then my wife said it's going to be my fault. It's on my head. And I can't blame her. That would... That would be true, but do you uh, pack when you're out there? Are you packing a sidearm? Um, no, no, we don't because we're when we, we go up there and we're going up with uh, what uh, uh, about a dozen other guys and they pack? and they do what the lodge does. We okay. stay in a small little sort of. It's not I, you know I say lodge. It's a wonderful place, family owned. It's it's not a fancy place at all, but it's a great little spot and they do a great job. The guides are fantastic, so. Um, we'll have a good time, but yeah, we don't we don't take anything with us. I mean, it's just yeah, you know, no, that makes sense. Yeah. If, as long as the people up there, I mean, you probably won't need anything as no. long as the the bears have fish. Yeah, yeah, they and really have no. There's an area that we've shown this video before of this enormous grizzly that gets right next to this uh, guy who's uh, sitting there f- photographing these bears eating uh, fish out of the river, and the bear literally couldn't give a fuck about yeah. him just yeah. looks at him and just sort of wanders off and there's actually a statistic that no one has ever died in this area no no person has ever been attacked or killed in this one area just because it's just overrun with salmon they're so preoccupied this, yeah, this yeah. time of year but it's also you know you talk about how things change around the planet and and the salmon runs are you mm-hmm. know really being impacted right now by a variety of reasons you know it's not just one thing but so anyway, uh, but that'll be that'll be good. And I know that everybody was really keen to hear about my upcoming trip. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it is interesting to hear people's take on the climate issue mm-hmm. because there's hard left and hard right. Hard right is uh, it's a cycle. It's always happened this way, and you're you're impeding business. Hard left is we're all going to die. Yeah. And then Miami's going to drown. 
I mean, uh, and Al Gore had already predicted in that movie, An Inconvenient Truth, that we were going to be covered in water in 2014, yeah. right? Yeah. Wasn't it yeah. 2014 they were predicting that the ocean levels were going to rise to the point where we're going to have to start evacuating some of the coastal cities? That's right. He missed that one just by a little bit. A little uh, bit. Yeah, yeah. But he came out with another movie. <sighs> Twelve people saw More that. More Inconvenient Truth. Yeah. And um, nobody, nobody uh, has watched it, I don't think. But it's, Did you, you know, see Bill Nye when he was on Tucker Carlson's show? No. It was no. very interesting. Really? It was very no. interesting. Because um, Bill Nye, who's not really a scientist. No. What is he? Is he a... He's an engineer. He's an engineer. Engineer, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Which, yeah, yeah. you know, is yeah, still discipline be smart. based. You have to be smart. But, yeah. you know, he calls himself Bill Nye, the science guy. He's, by, by the way, he has an undergrad degree. So not even a... Doesn't even have a PhD. Hey, or I got an MD. one of those. Yeah. And uh. they were uh, they were talking about climate change. And Tucker Carlson said, "I'm willing to absolutely believe that people have an impact on climate change." He goes, "But can you tell me how much?" Mm-hmm. And then Bill Nye kind of got flustered, and you know, he he got like a little confrontational, defensive. It was really kind of mm. interesting because Tucker kept pestering on. Like, we're right. talking about science. So I would like you to tell me how much of an impact have right. people had? What are the numbers? Is it a narrow range? Can it's you give me a narrow range? Or, nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's just what yeah. he does is he publicizes science for his own personal benefit. Right. He has that terrible show on Netflix, Bill Nye Saves the World. Yeah. Bitch, bitch, you're not saving shit. Yeah. Okay? You can't call your show Bill Nye Saves the Fucking World. You're not saving the world with this no. crazy goddamn song about gender. And he has, you oh see my that? God. Yeah. Did you see that, that thing? Was, that was stunning. Yeah. What in the yeah. f- who the fuck greenlit that? Yeah. Like, I love Netflix, but hey, a little quality control is not a bad thing. Like, yeah. Just have somebody on set to go, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah, what in the fuck <laughs> is this? Like yeah. this, like a censor, like in the old that movie, Good Morning Vietnam. You yeah, know, somebody that sits there and, and reads through his material before he does it. No, I saw that. And I thought, you know, so clearly they don't have anybody who has to approve his content. But that um, just shows but, you where his mind's at—that yeah. he's willing to say yes to that. That's someone who wants to acquiesce with no uncertain terms to the left. Yeah, like yeah. he just wants to every. Meanwhile, he had a, a film out, a, a movie or a television show out years ago. Where he was describing gender, and he was basically saying there's two genders, right. and it's about X and Y chromosome. I mean, which is what everybody's been told in science and biology class. Yeah. Then he has this show just a few years later, where now the tide has turned politically, where this is such a weird subject about gender and sexual identity and gender identity. Oh my God. And so he's got yeah. these songs about, you know, like what that lady singing that song, like, hey, this is fucking terrible. Like, what all you're doing is just like the same thing as President Trump staring at the sun. Yeah. All you're doing is setting yourself up for ruthless criticism that's going to diminish any potential legitimate point that you actually have. But I will say this. I don't think he really got pilloried for it, right? I mean, nobody really... Um, I mean, I, there was some. There was some. Online? Yeah, I think some people Bill made Nye? fun of him, but I think Bill Nye, for the most part, he knows it. it, it that's a very comfortable place for him to do, or, or for a lot of people. If they say, "Look, I just want to get the adulation of the the left, of the yeah. far left," yeah. then then fine. I mean, that's what you want to do. Do it. But you see people that kind of shift their position and are happy to be there because they know they're going to be coddled and. So I, I get why he does it because it's a base of, of uh, it's an audience that 
he knows is going to stick with him as long as he says the right things. Yeah. And apparently he doesn't really give a shit about science, so he's happy to say anything. Well, I think so. he does give a shit about mm -hmm. science, mm -hmm. but I think he gives a shit more about people liking him and fitting in right. with this crowd of people. There's a weird thing that's going on in science, and uh, it's there's nothing... Like, look, science is fantastic. It's, it, yeah. it's critical for our civilization. I'm not a science criticizer. But there's a weird thing about people that are a part of science, where their own egos and their own need for positive affirmation sort of supersede any critical thinking. So there's certain subjects that cannot be discussed. There's certain things that, like, they're, they're almost like, yeah. it's almost like science religion. You know, so there's certain subjects that are, aren't even open to scrutiny. Well, I think that's right. And I think part of it is, is, is also we have gotten to a point where you can't, and I don't know how you, you walk it back, but you, you, you can't have conflicting ideas in the same statement or the same sentence. And, and idea, things conflict all the time, right? And, the, and you can have uh, truths that, that collide with each other and don't, and don't necessarily make sense. So, but it seems as if now everything has to be an absolute. Right. And whether it's climate change. So you can't say, you, you know, if you, if you just have this middle-of-the-road you know, discussion where you say, well, look, of course— you know, humans, I'm sure, have some impact. I don't know For what sure. that is. And then, and you know, this is a problem, and we do have to do our part, and we do have to work to, to try to be the best we can be, but that's not good enough. You've got you, you've to be, a, a, you know, sort of totalitarian about the mm -hmm. whole issue, and, and it's not just that. It's, it's any argument. It just seems as if, and it's not just the millennials. I'm not one to, to you know, beat on, you know, the young kids or the generation of whatever we want to call them nowadays, because I know a lot of good kids that are out there that are working hard or they're in the military, and, and it's a fantastic you know, group of folks. So I think we're just fine in that regard, but there does seem to be something about each successive generation, and we've gotten now to a point where people have a hard time processing this dissenting opinion idea, mm. and that starts to shut down debate, and it starts to shut down the, the idea that you can have a discussion about science where you have you know these conflicting ideas, and how do you how do you resolve them? That used to be the whole concept about science: is to test theories and come right. up with what works. And anyway, what do well, I? No, I think it's because we're attaching egos and personalities and virtue signaling to to the actual hard data itself. Mm -hmm. Look, here's here's the thing that we should all be concerned with: pollution. We should all be concerned with human waste. We should all right. be concerned with the damage that we're doing to our, our water, the damage that we're doing to the environment. The, uh, the, the, there's a host of different things that human beings are involved in that are creating irreparable harm to the environment. We should absolutely be concerned with that. But what's weird is that you hardly ever hear about that. You hardly ever hear about doing something to curb the plastic in the ocean, doing something to eliminate the, some of the sewage waste that goes into the ocean. Mm -hmm. doing the, uh, there's a, a ton of different things that we're doing that are huge issues. But instead, you hear about climate change, and it becomes this ideological left versus right battle, which is right. it's just very weird to me. And I understand that climate change is a real issue, and if the ocean water continues to rise, coastal cities really are fucked, and if the temperature does rise, we really might have to migrate to more, you know, better climates, but there's a lot of other shit going on yeah. that seems to get ignored during this process. Well, interesting. I mean, I, you know, I'm old enough to remember when uh, plastics, that was an issue, right? Plastic yeah. bags or, or um, you know, keeping the oceans clean or, you know, don't be a little bug. I mean, it was more of a, 
it, it was things that you could accomplish, right? Mm-hmm. It was things that you could do, the community could do. So you would have these community drives to pick up trash or right. to not use plastic bags or to you know, whatever it is. And it was stuff that you could do and you could see some results and it, you felt good about it. And, you know, who knows? Maybe we've gone past that now. And so now uh, that's not good enough because, you know, now we've got to save the planet. Well, you save the planet these little steps at a time, right? If every, every community says, well, I, you know, I'm sorry, I can't do anything about the polar bears, so fuck it. I'm just going to worry about myself. But if you, if you bring it back down to those little things, like you were, you know, maybe implying, then I think we're better off, yeah. right? And eventually you, you do make a difference. But if all you do is talk about climate change and save the planet, people just get overwhelmed. It's like a lot of other things in life, and you just think, fuck it, I'm just going to focus on other shit. But it's just so strange that climate change has become this weird ideological debate between the left and the right. And is it when it, and it comes to plastic, there's a solution that's been around for years for plastic. There's biodegradable hemp plastic. Mm-hmm. It's existed for a long time. If they just legalize hemp farming nationwide, federally, let people grow hemp in mass quantities, you could turn that into plastic. You would never have to worry worry about water bottles again. You would never have to worry about garbage bags. You would never have to worry about anything because it's all be plant-based plastic, which is real, biodegradable. You put it in the ground, it becomes dirt. There's nothing so wrong with the, it. So what's the, what's the uh, holdup? Well, federally, hemp has been right, illegal since that, the 1930s. That. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. I mean, and all that goes back to William Randolph Hearst you know, conning people into making it illegal so he didn't have to switch over his paper mills what from a, wood. That son of a bitch. That son of a bitch. Yeah. Hearst. Uh, that's so, right. I forgot. You know, it, he's the guy yeah. who did that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. Him and Harry Anslinger, and you know what they did is they organized uh, um, uh, an actual campaign against hemp as a commodity by demonizing this thing that they called marijuana, mm-hmm. which didn't even it wasn't even the name of cannabis at the time. That marijuana was a name for a wild Mexican tobacco. They applied that name to cannabis to say that there's this new drug that's making Mexicans and blacks Thank rape God. white women. And they, you know, he was a piece of shit, that William Randolph yeah. Hearst. Yeah. And he printed all these articles in his papers, and they made Reefer Madness and all that stuff, all those movies that they made back in the day. Have you ever seen Reefer Madness? Oh, it's wonderful. It's great. It's not a good movie. It makes me want to get high. Yeah. yeah. And, then, uh, and then, of course, they made Citizen Kane, and yeah. that turned Hearst into a household name and, and uh, you know, a relatively benign character. Yeah, Orson Welles. Yeah. I wonder what he did to Orson Welles. He mm. must have fucked with him a little bit, don't you think? Yeah. 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 Interesting. Uh, <laughs> when did that movie come out? Citizen Kane came out in a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, people are like, "Why are they talking about?" I want to say it was the fifties. Oh, it was earlier than that. I think was it? Yeah, yeah. was it? Nineteen forty one. RKO, RKO wow. Pictures. It's a great I movie. Believe. Yeah, still to this day, it's a yeah. great movie. I watched it on an airplane. I couldn't capsule. believe it. I was I was on an airplane not too long ago, and I was looking through the movies, saying, "Am I going to watch anything, or am I going to?" I don't not. And um, Citizen Kane was on. I couldn't believe, which was a strange. It was right there in the middle of all these typical Marvel and DC Comics movies that you would expect on a plane. That's odd. So I started watching it, and the uh, the dude next to me in the seat next to me kind of starts. You could tell when someone's watching your screen, right? Right. Looking over there. Finally, he taps me on the shoulder. He says, "What are you watching?" <laughs> and he was, you know, not, he was probably a couple years younger than me, but not much. And I said, "I'm watching Citizen Kane." Never heard of it. You never, uh-huh. never heard of it. I, which I guess no big deal, fine. But you know, Jerry Lewis died, and people are probably saying, "Who's that?" He's like probably one of those dudes at the gym that talks too much. Yeah, 
He's one yeah. of those guys that comes up to you while you're benching. Hey, but yeah. let me ask you a question. Am I doing this right? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or even worse, they go, you should uh, drop your shoulder a little bit when you oh, do that. Oh, those yeah. fucking guys. Because yeah. what you'll do is you'll stress that, and then that'll be better for you, and you'll... Okay, thank you. I love those guys. Yeah. They, they use big words. <laughs> Try to convince you they know what they're talking about. So, speaking of uh, Citizen Kane and Orson mm. Welles and conspiracies, mm. uh, last night I rewatched the episode of Geraldo Rivera's Good Night America when they introduced uh, the Zapruder film. Because, you know, Dick Gregory oh. just died. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they introduced the Zapruder film to the American public uh, 13 years or 12 years, 12 years after uh, Kennedy's assassination. And uh, then I went and read that um, paper, uh, the articles that was printed a couple of weeks ago that uh, you even tweeted about it, mm. about the CIA questioning the official story of the JFK assassination. Yeah. Yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. Zapruder well, as film, a CIA guy, what that, do you think about that? Well, first of all, that Zapruder film, I, I, that's the most watched piece of film in, in history of film. Is it really? Which is really interesting. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was interesting that the... You know, as typical with a lot of these things, the, the, the headline doesn't necessarily actually match once you get into the body of the story. But right. uh, the idea being that the agency um, had some concerns over um, the idea that perhaps uh, Cuba was behind the assassination or the Russians to some degree or working more likely in a combination of, of the two. Um, look, I think, you know, I, do I think that uh, that. Uh, he could have taken that shot. Yeah, it was could've. not a. It, yeah, it was not a. I said I've been up in that book depository from that point of from that vantage point. We did a story on the on the uh, the whole uh, issue, the conspiracy theory, and and what could have happened. And we tried to find some new witnesses. And you know, could he have made that shot? Yeah, that was a that was it was a straightforward you know effort for someone who had some training. He was you know he, he wasn't the world's best shot, but he had sufficient training to make that shot. No, that's separate from you know, his motivations and any potential support that he may have gotten uh, during the course of that. And, you know, I think that he, in his mind, he he genuinely felt that this was going to get him into the revolution, right? That this was going to, he had had a very unhappy experience in Russia when he was over there living, came back, um, saw what was happening in Cuba, desperately wanted to be part of that, uh, took a unexplained trip down to Mexico, uh, which could well have been in an effort to find somebody who could support his his desire to, to take some sort of action, whether he had formed in his mind that's what he was going to do at the time or not. So, you know, is there still a possibility that um, the Cubans, which would the, the intel service there, would have had the file on him? I mean, he was a very, very well-known quantity, obviously, by that time for the Russians. The Russians are, were solely responsible for training up the Cuban intel service. So there's a a massive file on him, and they knew, you know, who they were dealing with. They knew his weaknesses. They knew his, um, they knew his motivations. They knew uh, what to do in terms of trying to get leverageable, you know, um, information on him. So I think that the jury's still out. I'm not, and I'm not a conspiracy guy, but I think there's enough there that says. You know, yes, it's, it's kind of like what we're talking about with climate change. I believe this, but I, this is all. This also could be true. So right. I think he could have taken that shot, and for, for sure, uh, and, and 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 succeeded. I think it's also possible that he may have had the encouragement of, in particular, the Cuban intel service uh, through the Russians. They were, because they, at that time, in particular, they didn't do anything. The Cubans didn't do anything without the Russians' support, blessings, and direction. So that 
is entirely possible. Um, do I think that there were a variety of other things at play? You know, was uh, did they help him get the the uh, the weapon? Did they? I mean, you know, was there actual logistical support in there? I, I don't. Who knows? I don't think so. But you know, maybe. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fascinating thing. And and you know, again, nobody wants to think that something that uh, impactful could have been just one guy who you know had a dream about being a hero of the revolution mm. they, they just it's it's such an awful thing to think about you want something bigger you want something more behind it and it's it's i will say the one thing that i think there was something else too was the uh, mlk uh, issue of martin luther king assassination well let's get to that for yeah. sure but here's the thing about the the lee harvey oswald assassination you know a lot of people think that there was people in the grassy knoll and that they shot at the president and there was more than one shooter mm -hmm. That's possible, too. And here's the other problem with people saying that Oswald could have never made that shot. Of course he could have. 100% he could have. Is it likely? Listen, people throw three-point shots that have no fucking business on a basketball court, and they hit nothing but net. Yeah. It happens all the time. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's, it's not likely that a guy could get off three shots that quick, but it is possible. Right. There was more time in there than they originally thought. Mm -hmm. there's, been, there's some misinformation out there about how condensed that time frame was, and now after they've, they've you know, researched this into a fairly well, it, it, that time frame extended a little bit, but he had, more importantly, he, had, he worked up there, so he had the yeah. opportunity to recce that site, right? So he, it was like he was sitting in a blind waiting and figuring out, you know, what am I going to be doing here? And that's a tremendous advantage and yeah. clear daylight targets moving right in line with you there's mm -hmm. no wind not only that yeah. it's not that far a shot no it's, it's not. not it's not like everybody thinks it's like a you know half mile away or something like that i mean how far was it It was 150 yards or something like that yeah i'd have to go back and it's Let's been a while but i've stood but i've stood on that spot where the limo was and I looked up well. at the site and yeah. i stood up there and not that looked far. down and it's not that far and it's a know. total makeable shot on a deer yeah, like oh, if you were going to shoot a deer yeah. with a rifle, you'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's definitely in right. my effective range." Yeah, no, there's, there was no. How far is it? There we go. Two hundred and sixty-five feet, eighty-one meters. That yeah. ain't shit. Yeah, that's a bow shot. Yeah, you could shoot a, a, an animal with a bow from eighty meters if you're really good and there's no wind. So that's a really close shot. So the idea that he couldn't make that shot, he's a bad shot, that is so fucking stupid. He absolutely could make that yeah. shot. And then we Anybody at, could make that shot from 81 meters. That's nothing. We looked at the grassy knoll issue. We looked at the, you know, the, the, what, what the, the train yard engineer um, reported seeing um, with a sort of a puff of smoke that he right. thought he saw over by the fence line. and. And we looked and we thought, yeah, you could, you know, from that position, they opened that place up and we were able to go back up there and you could see it. We ran a couple of tests and fired mm -hmm. off a few shots and that's always fun. If you want to have a, a good time, take a rifle to Dealey Plaza and fire <laughs> off a few shots without the tourists knowing what the hell is happening. And uh, the Dallas police, by the way, were, were tremendous during the course of that. But um, When did you, you guys know, do this? We did this a while back for a show called uh, America Declassified, which isn't uh -huh. running anymore, um, but it was on, uh, on uh, Travel Channel. Jesse Ventura did that. He mm. went up there with a Manlinker Carcano, same rifle, mm. and uh, he was like, "This is an impossible shot. No one could make this shot. Wow. It can't be done. <laughs> can't be done." And I love Jesse. I think he's awesome. Yeah. But I'm like, but you he wants everything to yeah. be a conspiracy, right? Right. You know, right. he's he's sig significantly on that side to the point where you know that's he's leaning always towards a conspiracy. Yeah, what I, you want to do is you want to do every investigation. I, you know, this company that I've got, we, we do a lot of investigations. And, we, and you've got to build, just like with a homicide case or anything else, you've got to build it on stable ground, right? Right. So you have to start from, 
you know, the very basics, because if you start building ideas and investigative inquiries on something that's not sturdy underneath it, you know, not based on evidence and fact, then you got a problem. The whole thing becomes suspect and usually comes toppling down. So, you know, I, uh, you got to keep an open mind about all these things, and I think it's important. Um, right now, people are going, oh, well, I'm sure that agency, the CIA, was involved, so I'm a terrible source of information. I've, I've heard that before. I said, right. you can't talk credibly about this because, you know, the CIA was involved. But well, here's the you know, thing. If the CIA was involved, it's not you. You right. weren't there in 1962. Was, last time I checked, I was not there in 1962. And, uh, and also, I will tell you this much. Or was it 63? It was 63. 63. If, if, the age, if the agency had been involved... This is the honest to God's truth. There's no way that secret is still kept. People can't keep their yap shut. They can't. And secrets have a way of coming out, and certainly a lot quicker now than they used to. So now, the but, idea, but, but yeah. the secrets then. I mean, we're talking about so long ago. How much? I mean, yeah, we're talking about more than fifty years ago. Like, it's what, like you what know, it's would like get out. It's like the DB Cooper issue. My biggest reason for believing DB Cooper died and, and his shoot is hanging up a tree, and and that's a vast wilderness up there. Yeah, is uh, is that people just. They can't help themselves. At some point, people talk, or somebody yeah. talks, somebody associated with, or someone nearby, or somebody involved, or somebody on their deathbed, or somebody says something they shouldn't have. Um, it's you know the idea that they've maintained this sort of secret over a period of time. I find hard to believe. I'm not discounting it. And I mean, again, you've got to leave a right. little space open for something that could be just amazing. Mm -hmm. But you know, anyway. So that's that was that. But I yeah, I agree. That shot was not. Uh, was not a tough shot. 81 um, meters ain't shit. Mm. That's nothing. And particularly I mean, in those conditions, and yeah. I will say, those conditions were ideal, unfortunately, for that event. But uh, it, people are like, there's a video of me shooting a fucking hard drive at 100 yards. A hard drive. You must have hated on, that hard On the drive. edge. Oh, well, we were just getting rid of some hard drives. We thought it'd be fun <laughs> to take it to the rifle range. <laughs> so I take it to the rifle, and uh, obviously we're dealing with modern rifles. They're probably right. more accurate. But... I'm shooting something that's basically two inches high, laying it down on the ground at 100 yards and blowing it to smithereens. Yeah. That's how accurate a rifle is at 100 yards. you telling me he couldn't get a headshot at 81 meters? That's yeah. crazy. Again, of course no, he could. no wind. Of course, um, of course he could. Good light. Uh, did he, though? But did he? That's right. Yeah. That's and, and, the question. And also the other question is, you know, um, I mean, we have some pretty good indications as to what he was thinking and what his, obviously what his motivations were, and that's important. Well, he in, definitely in was like in this. with the Russians. Right. He definitely was involved in a lot of weird shit with communism mm -hmm. who knows what his entire full background was because right. there was a lot of covert shit going on right. and did he did he express a desire to do something like this to the russians at some point and they you know thought okay well here's an interesting opportunity right well, yeah they would have they would have sparked on that and they would have thought about it. they you know would they have actually you know not, no play on woods intended but would they have pulled the trigger on an operation trying to push him into doing an act like this Maybe. No, it's indirectly through the Cubans, exactly. Especially I mean, if they so. thought, like, this crazy fuck might go ahead and do this yeah. for us. Yeah, So and this is after the Bay of Pigs. People have to realize there was a lot of people pissed off at yeah. Kennedy. We lost Khrushchev, a lot of people. Khrushchev hated everybody. Khrushchev hated Kennedy. Yeah. And uh, so... Well, that infamous video where he's banging his yeah. shoe down on the table, we will bury you. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was... It was uh, the, the, the environment was right for them. And they and again, the Russians, it shouldn't be any surprise to anybody when you talk about what they did during this election. I mean, they've been doing this forever. You know, right. they've been, you go back to 1940s and, and the Russians were, you know, spending a lot of time, effort and money here in the States trying to keep us out of the war back before Hitler invaded Russia and when they were allied with the Nazis still. 
So they spent a, a lot of time. They set up, you know, um, independent associations, supposedly. They paid off a lot of unions and union members, they, you know, journalists. I mean, they were doing everything they could to create this or to strengthen the idea of isolationism just to keep us out. They've been doing this for as long as they've been around. Right. So anybody who says, well, I can't, you know, it's, it's shocking the Russians would be engaged in this. It's, it's ridiculous. They've always been engaged. Yeah. And we, by the way, have been engaged doing that with them. What? That's what I hear. <laughs> I find. I've heard that online. I find that. Alex Jones told Hard me. to believe. You know, um, the thing that bothers me the most yeah, about the Kennedy assassination okay. is the universal support for the magic bullet theory. I think that fucking bullet is ridiculous. I've shot <laughs> things. I've shot a lot of things. I know what happens to bullets. Everybody yeah. that I know that's a marksman, everybody I know that's a hunter, they see a bullet that is hit bone. It fucking never looks like that. When a bullet goes through two people and comes out looking yeah. like you shot it into a pool of water. Yeah. That's what it looks like. I don't buy that at all. And the convenience of finding it on Connolly's gurney yeah. when they roll him into the hospital. Oh, look, guys, we found the bullet. Got it. And it's perfect. Yeah, got it. I don't buy that for a fucking yeah. second. And the problem is there's more metal fragments in Connolly's body than we're missing from the bullet itself. Yeah. I think that bullet itself, look at that bullet. Get the yeah, fuck out of here. That thing didn't hit shit. No, that's exactly right. It's I've, I've argued with this with people that have never shot guns, and they go, well, actually, it's proven. They broke bones. Yeah. When a bullet breaks bones, they get fucked. Well, it's a jacketed bullet. When it's a jacketed a... bullet breaks bones, it gets fucked. Yeah. You're talking about something that's going, I mean, how fast does a bullet from that rifle go? It's got to be. Kind of, that, that, that would be an interesting thing to pull up. But I would imagine um, it's in the thousands of feet per second. It's got to be. When it hits bone, it's going to blow but the, but all the over the fucking point being, there's, there's always distortion, even if you're, always. you know, I mean, it, so I... I don't and buy that bullet. When you have a conversation about this, and it is somebody who who has no shooting experience or, you know, it's just, you think, all right, that's fine. I understand why you're fascinated by it, but do when you do your research... You know, it's it's like with news. Read everything, right. right? Read the Wall Street Journal. Read the New York Times. Read the Financial Times. Read read the Economist. But read everything. Yes. Before you form your opinion, right? And 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 everybody's so siloed nowadays. And you get the same thing with conspiracy theories. I absolutely believe this, and I'm not gonna I'm gonna discount everything else that's out there. Yeah. And or just not pay any attention to it. Um, yeah, but um, it's hard to say. And here's another thing: the magic bullet path. People are like, well, how is that possible? Well, let me tell you something. That's the most believable thing about yeah. the magic bullet theory is the path of the bullet. Because bullets do wacky shit when yeah. they hit bone, and you can't predict it at all. I know a guy who uh, in Iraq they shot a guy in the head from the front, and it went out his eyeball. The bullet came out of his eyeball back forward. Yeah. It ricocheted inside of his skull. And came out his eye. Yeah, you can't. I mean, again, you can't. You're right. You can't predict it. They'll try to model yeah. these things and figure out. But you know, there's an unknown there. And so, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that again, it's it's one of those things where it it it's never going to get resolved, um, and it it's going to continue to live on because a it was such an important event in right. in, in in the history of the country. And B, it's, I, I keep coming back to that same thing. People don't want to believe that really awful shit can happen sometimes in a very simple, straightforward way. And so it's much easier to think it was a broad-based conspiracy. There were lots of moving parts. Sometimes bad shit happens, and it's just as simple as it seems. That is possible. You know? Conversely, people don't like to believe in conspiracies, especially when True. it's involved in an assassination of yeah. a president. Right. You know, the, the reason why they came up with the whole magic bullet theory in the first place is pretty shady. In, the first, in, in fact, they, the reason why they did is because a guy got hit by a ricochet underneath the overpass. 
and they blamed that bullet on mm. one of the one of the shots from Lee Harvey Oswald in the book depository. So they said, well, all right. So now we have less bullets that could have hit Kennedy. We have all mm. these wounds, and we have to attribute a series of wounds to one bullet. Right. Right. And so that was the, the the thought process behind it. But the Zapruder film was the one that got people weirded out by it. But I'll tell you what, man, I've watched that film a bunch of times. And one of the things that don't jive is if he did get hit from the front, you know, his head goes back to the left, right. why does the blood spray out forward? See, it's 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 weird the way the impact of the blood is. They, they, it's like the yeah. blood sprays forward and then his head goes back to the left. It could have possibly been that he was hit from the front and the back at the same time. That's entirely possible. I mean, that is... A tactic you would do, mm-hmm. right? You would roll someone into an area where they would be in a crossfire, and they would get shot from well, both sides. Well, if they came in, if there was, if the grassy knoll was in fact a, a, a second site for a shooter, then by the time it hits that corner and starts its path, just before the, the, the shots were fired from the book depository in Oswald, if you if you're going with that, if you had a, an, another shooter up on the grassy knoll, you're you're basically looking right at the the, uh, the, the, the front of the right. vehicle. And because of the way that it, it's positioned and the knoll's kind of turned, and then it's just that it's just that um, there's not a lot of concealment up there. Right. right? And they had, the, they had the, the fence, the picket fence. It's not the original one that's there anymore, but it's basically in line with it. And you can, you know, there's plenty of pictures of the, oh, the previous fence that was up there at the time. Um, and you had that. You, you did have the train yard engineer um, report sometime after the fact that he saw a puff of smoke. That he wasn't quite sure what that was all about. And he had seen a couple of people back there. So that you know that was that's an interesting thread to pull on, right? And and I think that that it's been you know it's been researched ad nauseum. Doesn't mean it you couldn't still find something. Right? It also doesn't mean but, anybody's going to really find a conclusion after the fact, right? Right. Especially today. Yeah. No, and that's right. And, you, you know, we, it's like everything else. As time marches on, you lose, you know, you lose witnesses. You lose, you know, people that were there on site. And then even witnesses. When yeah. someone gets shot, no, especially when the president gets shot. Yeah, not credible. You'll have five yeah. different stories from five different people and gunshots heard from the moon. Nobody well, knows what the fuck's Just happened. from a, a robbery. Just from, yeah. a, you know, a or street a car crime. Accident. Yeah, a car accident. You say, you say, what did you see? If you separate people out, you're right. You get five different versions from five different people. Yeah. And, you know, so, yeah, I was, I witness accounts are, tend not to be uh, particularly uh, credible. Yeah. And you've got to, you know, you, you, you've got to take them and then you've got to, you know, match it up with other information you can, you can pull together forensically. But it's, uh, it is fascinating. I, you know, who knows where it's going to, D.B. Cooper's back in the news a little bit. Because, is it really? Yeah, yeah. They've, uh, initially it was because the Bureau was saying, okay, we're, we're closing this case. And then there's some talk now over the past day and a half, two days, that they might have found something up in the wilderness that might be a piece of the shoot that he had. And I know. Really? They, have, they, haven't, they haven't bottomed that one out yet. D.B. Cooper, more new evidence of parachute believed found. But how do they know that's his parachute? Yeah. The thing about, I mean, it could be, but the, the thing about something that's that long ago, we have to realize how many people die in the woods every year. Oh, yeah, yeah. And when you, go, when you come out the back of that plane... Um, Good luck. Yeah, and, and also he was in a suit. He was wearing loafers. He lost his shoes. So he hits those, that wilderness, he hits those trees, and uh, it was cold that night, and it was wet, and... Uh, there's going to be a manhunt on in the morning. No, he had his he had his uh, he had his um, uh, parachute, and he had the uh, the bag with the money. 
they'd given him money. That's and it? So, and that, that was it. And so... Um, no wilderness gear at all? No. Well, not that they know of. I mean, who knows? Maybe underneath his business suit, he and was wearing was, something. But how much could I he don't be wearing? Think so. And yeah. what was the uh, time of the year? Uh, it was uh, late in the year. I think I think I'll have to go back and check again. But I think it was November. And I what, say. what part of the country? Uh, up in the uh, the wilderness, up in uh, Washington State. Oh, he's yeah. dead. So yeah. Right before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Before Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah that guy's yeah. dead. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. <laughs> you're not, you're not gonna you make gotta it. You gotta make your way out of there, and yeah. you got yeah, it's nighttime, and you know that, and and you know, there's gonna again, there's gonna be a manhunt. You don't even have a shelter. No, Les Stroud wouldn't survive up there. So, but there's been all sorts of theories. Oh, he jumped out, and then some people met him. Well, maybe. I'm sorry, yeah, exactly. Good luck yeah. finding him. Right? How are you gonna right. be able to be? No, that's so silly. People jumping out of an airplane with no GPS. The, the odds of finding that guy, he's not, he doesn't have a flair? Yeah. Like, what, what does he have? How are you going to locate him? Yeah, Are you going to just find him in the woods? That's why I think this. And, you know, there was some talk, well, you know, because some of his money was found, uh, you know, after the fact, stacked in a, in a little uh, uh, part of the river um, that seemed unusual, right? It seemed like it would have had to make a pretty amazing journey from the wilderness down through the stream system out to the river and then be found on this sandbar and it was all stacked one on top of the other. Hmm. But it, it had the light, it had the uh, serial numbers. Oh. And so there was some thought that, you know, how did that get there? Did it naturally just float down there and, and end up on this sandbar and covered in sand? And eventually it was found by some kid that was on a picnic. Whoa. You know. I wonder uh, if you so spent that, keeps that money going. slowly. How long would it take before you get busted? Yeah, it was $200,000 back yeah. in the day. Just um, a little bit here and there, yeah. you know, buy a bicycle. Seems good. Buy a yeah. TV. No one say nothing. But buy <laughs> bicycle. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's a little kid. You know, yeah, pedal my way to California where the weather's coming. His room. He's got a fifty-inch TV. What the fuck's going on here? You don't even have a job, you little punk. DB, what the hell are you doing? Where did you get that transistor radio? Well, if it's a kid who found it, I'm sure. Oh, it's, oh I see what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, DBs. Yeah. 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 No, he reported the kid was with his family, and he reported uh, finding it immediately. The bureau went out there and dug up the entire area. And in a uh, fairly large effort, trying to figure out was there more money there? How did it get there? Run all sorts of tests. I think right. if they found his money, yeah. he's dead. Yeah. He's not going to jump out of a parachute and then leave the money. Well, there behind. was some thought that maybe he was doing it as a ploy, right? To to kind of distract and 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 think, okay, he's dead because the money's there, right? right. Uh, but. Again, it falls into the category of, you know, it's never going to be resolved, I don't think, and, and it's a fascinating story. It's America's only unsolved hijacking. Am I right about that? I think I am. It's America's only unsolved hijacking. Was it all the money? Did they find all of it, or what, mm, what no, percentage? No, it was just a small amount. It, mm. was not, it was not a large amount. So he did not, if he, if he planted it there, he was smart enough not to put it all there. Yeah, that's but, a weird story. That yeah. D.B. Cooper one's a weird one, because a lot of people, like, they tend to look at him like some sort of a folk hero. There was a connection with him... Um, that they were they were thinking he was this guy who had shot I want to say shot family members and murdered family members and then went out and did that crime. There was some suspect mm -hmm. that was on the loose from some sort of a homicide that they connected to the DB Cooper case and they thought that somehow there was a potential that they were related that it was the same guy. Yeah, he loses some of his charm if that's the case. Yeah, right? it'd be just a guy that's you know thinking I'm going to hijack a plane for some cash and. Where did he get the money? How'd the, where'd the cash come from? They brought it on the plane. They landed oh, okay. and then uh, they, they got gave the, them the money. Yeah, they got the crew, passengers and the, most of the crew off of there. Whew. And then everybody was in the cockpit with the door closed when the in the old days in the in the, the back door would open up, you know, mm -hmm. with steps. And he went out the back door. They had a back door indicator, which is how they kind of sensed about where he would have gone out. 
And uh, eh, anyway, I sound like a DB Cooper. So how much. high was he up there when he jumped? Um, again, I have to go through my notes, but like I think a regular he dropped commercial down. flight. No, oh no, 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 no. They they dropped down to, I want to say about. 10,000 feet? I can't remember. Still pretty yeah. fucking high. But they're not really sure because the door came down. He could have been right. in there for any period of time, and he had instructed them to, to mm. drop down. I forget, again, what <laughs> altitude he was at. But, you know, it's, just, it's amazing um, that these things continue to go on. And We love mysteries. We love mysteries and conspiracies, and uh, which is why the, the new Trump administration is so interesting. Well, he loves conspiracies, doesn't he? He <laughs> believes a bunch of crazy ones. Like he was just uh, retweeting that one about... Um, what was the general that uh, they, they attributed Pershing. to? Yeah, Pershing. Pershing. Yeah, dipping the pigs, uh, the bullets in pig's blood. Yeah, yeah, and there was never an attack, uh, Islamic attack in 35 years. That's not even a true story. No. Who? But again, who? Why? Why are you doing this? Why Who's are you telling talking him that? about that? Just stop. Yeah, there's, there's no, there's no, look, I didn't vote for him. I didn't vote for her. I, I just thought we could have done better in a country this size, right? For I'll tell you one thing but, he's doing. He's fucking it up for future idiots. <laughs> Future idiots. <laughs> oh, they're doomed. Now. I don't know. I would not underestimate our ability to hire <laughs> or somebody worse. Um, Do you think they're never going to be a someone like? Maybe they'll be like a new version of him, like someone like him, but they dial it back a little bit. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. I just think people always say, "Well, this will be a course correction, and we're going to go back to having really respond." And I'm thinking, "What? Well, this is America. Don't, mm. don't, don't, don't imagine that it could actually get better in that regard. We could be even more dysfunctional from a political point of view, but." Well, what's yeah. weird is I was watching this interview today where this guy, this fucking pencil-neck dork, was supporting Antifa violence and saying that the only way to fight against fascism is violence. And I was like, oh, Jesus. And then there was this other guy next to him uh, who was saying, no, that's not true. The way you fight it is with a peaceful protest like just happened in Boston. Like, that's the best way to handle it, where yeah. there was... I want to say there was more than 100,000 people in Boston, wasn't there? How many people in Boston came out? Let's see if we could find that out. And it was completely peaceful. And the, the I think there was like 400 retards with uh, KKK banners. Yeah. It's a small, small yeah. group, right, of, yeah. of, of assholes. And, and you think, okay, but here's the thing. This is where, this is where the, you know, President Trump is just such a, you know, he's a great case study. At some point, I'm sure, well, I'm sure people are already, you know, writing up their grant proposals to do a study on, on his psychology. But, you know, you look at, um, you look at, at uh, the First Amendment and you think, if you like the First Amendment, then you got to be all in, right? It's not like mm -hmm. you can say, and that's the kind of the beauty of this country. Right. You know, you got to let the, the douchebag speak, right? Right, right. And that's what it is. It's speech. But yes. we've gotten to the point where now words some, by some folks are viewed as violence. Words aren't violence, I don't think. This is just my own personal opinion. Words aren't violence. You got to let everybody speak because that's yes. the First Amendment. You, you go down, you, know, you don't want to start picking and choosing. Slippery slope. Slippery slope, right? And so, you know, we, but we can all agree that there, I mean, there's no space for them. They're assholes. But there's also no space for violent, uh, you know, um, counter demonstration. There is space for protesting it because it's, they're absolutely wrong, right? I mean, right. and that's, that's, again, this idea that you, how, you, you should be able to argue both, right? No, you can't respond with violence, and yes, you guys, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be here. You know, if, right. you, if you're going to hold those views, it's, it's abhorrent. You are protected by the First Amendment, and right. so that's fine. doesn't mean we have to 
you know, like it or in any way condone it, but but you got to know, okay, that those sort of fringe ideas are going to exist. And I agree, the best way to resolve it is peaceful demonstrations, massive peaceful demonstrations to show, you know, sort of the weight of where the good thoughts are. Yes. And then uh, political process. Yeah. Right? Ensure that, you know, work through the political system as dysfunctional as it may be. But anyway... Uh, Just encouraging yeah. people to violently attack people that have differing ideas than them that aren't being violent is never the answer. No, it's a, it's, it's a, just not the way to do it. And, and you, by, by the way, that's a fascist got, approach. Too. Yes, you're right. You're right. <laughs> so anti-fascist anti takes a fascist approach. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, literally, you're enforcing your ideas to the point where you're silencing others with actual violence, which is the mark of a totalitarian state. Also, yes. as if you say you can't have these views. Well, Look yeah. Of course, we can all hate those views, but. Again, it's the idea that what you say is violent to me. No, it's not. It's fucking speech. Here's the other thing that Trump fucked up. He called those protesters anti-violent protesters, like or anti-police protesters. Yeah. Like, come yeah. on, man. Yeah. That is not what they're. They're not protesting against police. There might be a few amongst them that say stupid shit about the police. Right. But again, just like with the other side, where you've got, I mean, how many? What do you? What do you got? A hundred or two hundred? I didn't. Who would imagine? 15,000 counter-protesters. Yeah, where the fuck are these Nazis hiding, anyway? I mean, yeah. that's, that's the thing. I mean, you know, my dad didn't, didn't fly in World War II, you know, so that somehow you could have a resurgent. Not that there is. I think it's a small group, just like it's a small group on the left right. that wants a violent solution to this or, you know, honestly believes that, you know, violence against police is somehow the answer, which is insane. But, uh, Again, there you go. Truth is somewhere in that middle, right? Yeah. I mean, they've got some. Get rid of the, the fringe, and you know we got to figure out a way for for the the folks that are in kind of the, the common center. space, yeah, yeah. You know, to work together. And 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 otherwise, I mean, a, I, I don't think the Democrats care whether Republicans. Care. In fact, they're they're happy that shit's not getting done. But as an American. Again, I didn't vote for, for him. I didn't vote for her. But I would like to see the government work now. Who did you vote for? Uh, you know what? I just said, fuck it. I can't. I couldn't. Yeah, you too. Huh? I know. I couldn't bring myself did. to do it. I couldn't bring myself. And I hated doing that, right? Yeah. Because I, 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 I. So you voted top down, right? Yeah. Is that, is that what they call it? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, what I did was I, I you know, state uh, elections important, mm -hmm. you know, those sort of. And that's fine. I, but it, it uh, it's very painful to say I can't. You know, I, I can't justify yeah. doing that. And uh, and I know people, and then people lose their minds and they go, well, that means you voted for him. Or that means you're, and I'm, and no, it just means we should have been able to do better in a country this size. Yeah. You know? And, um, you know, maybe, maybe you hold your nose and vote for the other side. I don't know. Um, but. Well, I, at least yeah. she represented a conventional approach to politics. Right. That's true. Yeah. yeah there's no doubt about I mean, that. That's super conventional. I don't enjoy yeah. a lot of aspects of her personality and what she's done with her career and the obvious deception. The the Clinton Foundation, which is just riddled with problems yeah. and, and now doesn't even exist anymore, apparently. They but, shut it down, didn't they? Yeah. 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 wonder what they did with the remaining balance. He probably just <laughs> has whores flying in from... <laughs> From Russia. <laughs> what are we going to do with this? We got all this money. We got to transfer it somewhere. Well, there's got to be a place to oh, store it. Here, let whatever. me put it in my pants. He's <laughs> 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 wadding up hundreds, <laughs> stuffing them in his Man. pants. He was an, he was an American, or is? I guess he's not dead yet, so I don't want to kill him off. But he's yeah. you know he's he's an amazing 
a political individual. That guy could make you think that, you know, I, I met him once overseas. This sounds dodgy, but in, in Saudi, I met him at a, at a uh, party. It does sound really sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but he had that ability, right? Now, right. again, I wasn't a fan necessarily, but I, you know, again, I, you just want, whichever administration's in charge, you want it to work. You right. want well, for the I'm country to move job. forward. Right. For the, yeah. But so you met him, and, it, and it's true what people used to say about him, which is that he made you feel like he was talking right to you and nothing else was important, right? He wasn't one of those guys that looks over their shoulder thinking, is there somebody else I should be talking to over right. there? And and he's so yeah, he was a charmer. Yeah. A friend of mine told me he was talking to him and a woman though, and Clinton like essentially almost turned his back to him and like like all comes like That's forcing fantastic. him out of the picture. Then <laughs> <laughs> he just yeah, he's I'm, a I'm, a predator. I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna block you right here. I'm just gonna pull out some of these hundreds <laughs> I got stacked in my pockets. <laughs> Woo, man! In a party, huh? Yeah, partying with party. Bill Clinton. Yeah, in Saudi drunk. Arabia. I yeah. like to get drunk with that dude. Yeah, yeah so, you know, and I tell you what, so, I mean, uh, George Bush. That'd be a guy I like to sit down and have a beer with. The yeah, Bush, the Bush family, a good bunch. I know people go, "Oh my God, I couldn't stand his policies," but you know, sometimes you just it comes down to a personal thing, and you think, yeah, you know, maybe the guy's got some. You, know, you may not like his principles, you may, but he sticks with them, right? He looks extremely reasonable now. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, yeah, exactly. There was yeah. one time yeah. where the Supreme Court had a ruling that he didn't like, and there was a, a speech where he gave, and in, in I've seen it quoted in, in print, and then you know someone showed a video of it. Mm -hmm. But he was essentially saying, well, you know, we have to uphold the uh, decision of the court. You know, I'm, I'm not happy with it, but, you know, this is uh, the way our system works. Yeah. And, and then yeah. it went to Trump. Talking about the Supreme Court, you know, not backing his travel ban and all the different various things right. that he's lost in court, and he just goes after mad. people. He just like you know, he just like the the, the personal attacks, and yeah, there's so no, petty. I mean, the problem there's no discipline in the White House, and and I know that everybody thought, well, let's get something different in there. Let's get a businessman. Let's we don't want the politics as usual. And well, you got that, but there is a, a requirement. There is a need for the machine to work in a certain fashion, right? right. In, in a sense. And yet, you know, yes, there's lots of things you can change, and that that's a good thing. There should be some change in that government, but the way that the 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 place works in Washington, but the communications there, the, the lack of discipline. I mean, for crying out loud, they just they just put in place the, the new communications director of the White House, 28 years old. She's 28 years old, never done this sort of thing before, and she's the new communications director. She replaced Scaramucci yeah. after his 10-day reign. And why did she yeah. um, why did she replace him? Because she listens. She's just willing to do what Trump says. He just said, "Yeah, I mean, you're the guy for the job." Yeah, I mean, she's, girl. yeah, she says, "You're the girl for yeah for this," and she's she's worked within the Trump uh, organization, and I guess just viewed as loyal and loyal. Yeah, that's what he needs. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. needs loyalty above all else. Yeah, and so, so that's it. But I mean, there's no consistency, and you see these things happen. You see, you know, these the messaging get out, and and he gets ahead of the message, or they need to play catch up then. And people like Mattis and John yeah. Kelly now, and and Pompeo and others are trying to race to make sense of some of these things. And and there's this self-inflicted wound after after wound um, for this this administration. It yeah. seems like one of those homemade derby carts that they roll down a hill where you know the wheels aren't going to stay on <laughs> and you kind of can't look away you're like wow how long is it going to take for this thing yeah. fucking completely falls apart starts doing tumbles down the hill you gotta name that you gotta, you gotta come up with a name for that cart you yeah. always have to name your soapbox derby cart <laughs> but um yeah i i don't i don't know where it's 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 gonna go i just think um 
And but as a guy who's been in the intelligence community yeah. for so many years, and you're you know stepping back, and mm-hmm. there was also a real issue with him being at odds with the intelligence community and diminishing the intelligence community. Yeah, that was a strange or sort of an interesting narrative. Um, it didn't really. Um it got overblown to some degree. I Did mean, it? the people, in the sense that the people at the agency, you know, at, at the end of the day, they just take whoever's in charge, they take their marching orders from, right? right? It's not, and I know people don't believe it because, you know, everybody likes the feature films and everything, but it's, it's, it's a pretty apolitical organization. Whoever's in the administration, they're going to prioritize their national security concerns. Your tasking comes out of that, and then you just march on and do your job. And yes, the director is an appointed position. And, you know, John Brennan was certainly much more political in the previous administration than, than uh, previous uh, directors have been. But and the operational level, you know, down at the street level, people just get on with it. You know, they're human. So, of course, you know, they may have their own personal preference. But I spent a long time there and behind the curtain and... and you know, they just tick on and do whatever. You know, there were people that weren't happy with Obama. There were people that weren't happy with Bush. There were people that were not happy with Trump. That doesn't, it, you know, they just tell us what the priorities are. Tell us what the tasking is, and we'll get on with it, you know, and go out there and do the collection uh, operations we're supposed to do. It just seems like there's no one person that's ever going to be able to fill that position. It seems like that position also gets bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Like your responsibilities get bigger and bigger. I mean, the presidency. Yeah. 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 I just, it seems to me that at this point in our, in our, our history, the history of our society, we kind of have to look at that position and, and wonder whether or not it's even logical to give so much power to one person. Yeah. Well, it's like, but what would you do? I mean, how do you... Good question. Yeah, how do you create a... <laughs> Council of Elders. Council... <laughs> that's, super... that's right. Everybody sits around like a hand-carved desk in an underground lair. Yeah. And makes decisions. That sounds Big pretty oval. good. Yeah, oh, I like it. Yeah. It could be like the Knights of the Round Table. But yeah, I think yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, you know what? I don't know. I, I think... Virtuous people. Coming, doing a uh, by committee. I wonder if the Founding Fathers... Yeah, you know, I'm sure there's been all sorts of you know, reporting on that. I just never read it. But the Founding Fathers, if they considered that as an op- as an option... Probably not, but I wonder some if they sort of committee. the kind of population growth that we've experienced. Yeah. You know, the real problem with the founding fathers is, as brilliant as they were, there's no way they could have ever seen the internet coming. You no, know, and this no. Is Nor could they have seen the, the people wanting to stay in Washington for 36 years right. or 42 years yeah. and become career politicians. They were all just interested in, in you know, doing their duty and, and serving the way they were supposed to or they felt obligated to, and then getting the hell out, right? Getting back to the farm or whatever their, right. their job was. Because nobody wanted to stay in Washington for any longer than they needed to. So, yeah, you're right. Could they have foreseen all? Of course, no, definitely not. And so, does that mean? What does that mean, though? I mean, that yeah. means well, it means amendments to the Constitution, as we've done in the past. And think about how crazy know. it is that someone forms a new country, and then 400 plus years later, it is the preeminent superpower in the world by far. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. You got these countries that have been around for thousands and thousands of years. Like, imagine a group of freaks and misfits that branch off from America, get in a boat, and float over to Costa Rica or wherever, and take it over. Yeah. And then yeah. and then it becomes the superpower. It is astounding. And then again, going back to what we talked about towards the beginning, was cobbling it together. Yeah. Understanding that we needed to, to get our hands on everything west of the Mississippi. Now, right. clearly there were some issues there, but... You know, it's sort of that vision that says we're going all the way to the coast. All the way to the water. We and, have to. Yeah. Otherwise, we can't control it. Right. And yeah. that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's an astounding history. You're absolutely right. Um, but, 
you know, I, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, obviously, this is the, probably the stupidest statement people will hear all day is, is you know, where we're going to be in, in, say, another 200 years. Are we? Because yeah. I've got a theory that says we're, every generation is making it easier for their kids. And eventually you hit a point of diminishing returns and everybody's just a big pussy. And so <laughs> that's my theory. I, I haven't come up with a name for it You're yet. You're not alone. Yeah. The so, big pussy theory. The big pussy theory. That's a, but that, that could cover a different thing. Sopranos. Yeah. <laughs> that's a big puss. <laughs> that was great. That was a great show. I wonder, yeah, I mean, I wonder how much there's going to, there are parts of the world where obviously things are way more difficult than there are here. And maybe we're losing some sort of a competitive edge because we've made our lives so easy. Mm-hmm. And haven't replaced the convenience of civilization with something that tempers our human instincts, like some difficult tasks, rite of passage for young men, you know, something that develops character. Instead, we're making safe spaces and making words violence and, you know, making it so we have trigger warnings. And, and there's no winners. You don't no have winners, to win. Yeah. We don't have to win. Thank God That's, we're in a... My kids are getting old enough now where their sports leagues no longer... You know, it, for a while there, it was just driving me crazy as a, as a parent going to a game and realizing that they weren't keeping score. Yeah. <laughs> because they didn't want to upset They didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. feelings. Oh, my oh, God. That's the whole reason yeah. why people get better, you fucks. Yeah. Meanwhile, the kids are keeping score. The yeah. kids know for sure. And kids don't want you to blow smoke up their ass, right? You know what? They'd come off the court and... And if my, you know, like the the oldest boy, uh, Scooter, he's ten years old. And he's he plays a lot of lacrosse. He's been playing for five years, and so he's he really likes it, and he does he does well. But you know, I'm not raising the you know a Division One champion there, right? I mean, right. he's but he plays other sports too. So there's there's sort of a well roundedness there. But we came off the field one day, and we were walking along, and and uh, you know, all the parents were kind of marching off, and the game was over, and and he says uh, he says how'd I do? And I said, well, you know, you could have done better. Um, I said, I, I just get the impression you didn't try as hard as you could. What do you think? And he looked at me irritated, right? He looked at me like, I can't believe you didn't just say I did great. And so he said, what? And I, and I looked at him. I'm walking along, and I didn't realize the parents were within earshot. And I said, well, look, you know, Scoot, do you want me to blow smoke up your ass, or do you want me to be honest with you? And to his credit, he said, no, you should be honest with me, even though he wasn't happy about the honesty. He said, you should be honest with me. And I so we we tell kids that we they know better you know if you tell a kid that they're great and they're doing wonderful and they didn't what do they take away from that they take away from it that you're kind of bullshitting them right they're, you know you, you, except, unless they're just super super young they pretty they get it at a pretty early age they well here's it out. here's something that's important to relate to children that you are not your accomplishments you are you and the only way you are going to get better at accomplishing things is to be 100% honest about the amount of effort you put in and what the actual result of that effort is. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a failure or a success, that does not define you. That defines your participation in this particular activity. It is not you. You are an individual that will hopefully learn from all of your endeavors. But you're never going to learn shit if you lie to yourself. You're never going to learn shit if somebody makes this, nobody scores a point, and there are no winners, and there are no losers, and everybody's amazing. That that's not good because it's a good voice, by the way. It's not good yeah. because there's going to be people out there that are fucking driven right. and psychotic, and they're going to get ahead. There's people that are task oriented and goal oriented, and they they have a, an idea ahead of them. Going to try to figure out how to make this happen. They have a right. goal. They want to reach it. And if you're competing yeah. with that person in any form of life, and they're not burdened down by the 
bullshit right. that we give so many kids today. They're going to have a massive advantage. And this idea that this kid who's been coddled and treated like he's always going to be a winner, that somehow or another they're going to be happier is fucking crazy. No. If they they can't, that kid can't process what's true and what's not. And the kid can't process criticism. Yes. Right? Constructive criticism. Yes. Right? You don't just stand there and berate your kid. Of course not. That's, but, that's but, just know, as bad that as the is. other yeah, thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. The, the, the guys that stand on, you've seen, everybody's seen them, right? Yeah. The, the, the dads, or sometimes the moms that stand on the sideline and berate their kid because the kid's jeopardizing his scholarship to some Morons. D1 school. Yeah. Morons. But, uh, no, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. They've got to, the sooner they're able to assess that, that equation, effort, uh, and result, yes, and compare it to what's going on around them, and and then understand it. I mean, say one of my another one of my boys, you know, they play basketball, and um, they enjoy it, but it's not their primary activity right now. So they tried out for AAU, right, and they got in, um, but not at the top team, and they were upset about not being placed on this top team. And I said, you don't, I, I did, and I didn't say it quite this way, but my, my, my point was you don't deserve to be on the top team yeah. because you're not working as hard as those kids that are working hard right. and that's their thing. They wanted to be there and so they put in the effort. You are happy playing and you, you, could, you could be there, but you're not doing it yet. Right. And so therefore you, you know, A, don't get down on yourself, but B, don't, certainly don't get down on anybody else. Because they put out the effort and they accomplished something that, that you didn't. Right. So, I mean, it's a, you know, you're always trying to find that balance. It's just, I don't think, we're not doing our kids any favors right now. I just think we're, we're not, not obviously, that's a broad brush statement. But in general terms, I think society is uh, not doing us any favors. We're, and, and, and you see that. I mean, a daughter that's in college and she talks about her, you know, her classmates and others and, and you know, sort of the conversations they have in class and, and the discussions and what passes as debate nowadays, which is not much, right? The idea of the old debate where you can, you can voice your opinions and they can be different than somebody else's and you can, you know, hash it out and you can have a winner and a loser, but that's fine. You go away and you come back the next day and you have another rousing debate in that class. It doesn't really exist. You know, it seems like anyway, because everybody's so afraid of saying something that might be offensive or yeah. not offensive, but just might be upsetting, Right. You know, and there's a difference between being upsetting and being offensive. We're trying to nerf so. the world. I mean, that, that, that really was what it is. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to, all the hard edges that you might bruise yourself on, we're trying to push a, put a cushion. But you need to understand that when you fall down, it's going to hurt. So that way, next time you're thinking you might fall down, you'll correct your path. Yeah. It's the whole reason why people do difficult things. You do difficult things to understand your boundaries, to understand your limitations, and then to try to improve those. Yeah. Try to raise the roof on your expectations. Raise yeah. the roof on your, your, your whatever limitations of your abilities. Learn from whatever those are and improve. It's like interrogation training. You would, in interrogation training, when you're working with people, um, the goal is to show them that it's okay. At some point, they're going to have to talk, right? Right. And so when you're going through the training, the point of it is to get them to that point. They realize that, okay, you know, it's not the end of the world. I know that at some point I'm going to end up talking, right? right. I'm going to say something. I'm going to have to do that because I can't. Otherwise, I'm either dead or I'm completely broken. And the idea is if you, you do that, and then the rest of the training and, and beyond that, you're building them back up because they understand that. Now, if God forbid something should happen, they get picked up, and there's actually an interrogation going on. In the back of their mind, they understand that, and they're able to process it so that if they do get to that point where now, okay, I, I'm going to have to 
talk. I'm going to have to come up with something. It's going to, and then it's not completely devastating. It doesn't, you know, leave them completely broken. And they can walk back because they understand I got to that point. I understand what my boundaries are, uh, but I can work within that. I, I don't know where I'm going with this. Other than, well, you're saying, are you saying yeah. interrogation training like uh, an agent gets interrogated? Yeah, yeah. I mean, interrogation training in general for, for so they you know, for our, our outfit, for the military, you know, it's, it's basically the same. We do a lot of cross training. But this but, is not interrogating an enemy combatant. Oh, no, this no, no. I'm talking being, about for you, you being, you know, going through the interrogation right. training. So, so, so what do you tell them to do? Like in that, it's like, say if someone gets captured in Afghanistan or what, yeah. where have you, whatever. Well, I mean, yeah, the bottom line is, you know, you, you, you try to avoid talking. Right. But it depends. Part of it is you've got to assess who you're dealing with, right? You've got to assess what you think their parameters are, what could be coming down the pike, in other words. Right. So how is this? And that's, that's part of the training, too, is understanding what different groups, what different places could could mean what, what that what that interrogation could look like how bad it could get so you're, you're processing that part of it is understanding what it is that's okay to give up what are you what are you going to say that's not going to put anything in jeopardy anybody's lives or any operations or anything in jeopardy part of it is you you know you then you've got to understand you got to stay close to the truth right the problem with it if you you know where you start getting people out on interrogations is where they can't remember what they've said. Right. right? And the closer you are to the truth, the easier it is to remember what you've said. Right. So, and, and these things, I mean, if it's a bad situation and you're in there day in and day out, you know, and you're, you know, they're, they're, you're sleep deprivation and they're, you know, knocking you around and there's no food and it's, you're going to have, you're going to have a hard time keeping track of even the basic things. So, you, you know, you're trying to keep it as close to the truth as possible and as minimal as possible. You know, in terms of, of damage, you go in, you, you know, and typically you, 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 you've thought through all of this. It's like everything else. You do your homework ahead of time and God forbid something should happen and, you know, usually it won't. But anyway, point being is that, um, you know, the ideas in the training portion of it, you want people to understand that, you know, everybody's got a breaking point. Right. And that's just that's the way it works. <laughs> and someone's some it's you know, it's here, some it's further down the road, but everybody's going to break. And. You don't want that to devastate the person if it should happen, you know, knock on wood. But anyway, I don't know, that was apropos of nothing. Um, no, it's yeah. it, it's important. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, an interesting topic because, uh, I mean, understanding that there's going to be severe penalties and that there's going to be repercussions. And yeah. that, they're, you know, they're, this, is a, this is a bad situation you're in. And understanding that going in is going to help you a lot more than if you go in there from, you know, a soft... But. padded world where you don't think there's going to be any adversity whatsoever. No, that's right. And and, and that's all where, you know, um, just to finish that uh, thought is that the interesting thing about people talked about the interrogation program that we had, obviously, right? And then, well, I don't want to revisit that. And, you know, the, the left did a very fine job of grabbing the moral high ground and saying either you're talking to people or it's all torture. Mm, okay. Right. Um, but the point being is that even if you don't ever intend to use any enhanced interrogation techniques you don't want to tell the enemy that because once you tell them that you're uh, constrained by the army field manual as an example that's all you can do guess what every mook out there fighting us and wanting to harm us is carrying a copy of the army field manual in their back pocket they don't you know despite right. despite the fact that they did for a while they don't live in a cave right and so once they know what's coming down the pike, that's gone. Their incentive is gone. 
right, to talk to you. Because they, once you know, once you don't have that unknown, if you're not sitting in some, you know, uh, squat box and the temperature's, you know, up and you haven't eaten and you're thinking, what the hell are they going to do to me next? And you have no idea. If that's gone and you don't have that anxiety, that, in, you know, intense anxiety, then you're okay. Ment- right. Mentally, you get yourself to a nice, happy spot. You're comfortable. They're feeding you. They're just asking you questions. They're just asking questions, and you're, you know, you can you can hold out for a much longer period of time. And yeah, maybe there'll be some clever, you know, person working in the interrogation facility, and they'll develop a personal relationship over a period of time, you know. Mm-hmm. But you know what? By then, your operational information has lost its interest, right? And the shelf right. life on that stuff is is not particularly long, typically. So. Yeah, anyway, that's uh, yeah. Bah, so bah, when bah, you bah. But when you're in a situation where you have to extract information in a very short period of time because it's critical because lives are at stake, like in the that old s- ticking time bomb. Yeah, thing. I mean if you're yeah. you're stuck in some situation where you know someone's got a dirty bomb or you know what have you, there's a terrorist attack that's being mm. planned. You know this guy has some information. What is the best way to get it out of him? Is there a well, best way? There's, you know what, there's not really, because it's all dependent on the individual. And that's where it's so much of this. And, you know, they, it just, again, it, the, the, the argument got sort of, you know, corrupted, hijacked, whatever. Because uh, of waterboarding? Because, yeah, it, it just became yeah. such an emotive issue. Uh, but it's an enormously labor-intensive process, even in those cases where you think, okay, we've just picked up a high-value target, and we feel that they've got operational information that we really need to know uh, related to whatever, um, it's 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 not as if you don't go in there and start beating them over the head with a two by four. Nobody nobody does that. You know, maybe some maybe some liaison partners. You know, in in, in you know fourth world countries. You know, would, uh, is would there think fourth that's, world? What's there's a fourth a, there's world? A fifth world even. What's a fifth world country? Uh, I, uh, I never even heard of that. New Jersey, um, <laughs> Connecticut, <laughs> Connecticut. That's Connecticut outside of Hamden. Yeah, Dan Malloy is the president of the fifth world nation of Connecticut. Um, so, you know, it's it's down to the individual. It's knowing your homework. It's it's having all the information that you can at your fingertips about. Okay, well, who is this person? Right. Who are his associates? Who else have we picked up? And what have they said up to this point? Do you have anything like that? That you can walk into the, if you walk into a, an interrogation and you haven't done your homework, you're screwed, right? It's going to show out really quickly, and they're going to figure it out for the most part. You know, not to say that they're every detainee would be a Lex Luthor, but you know they get a sense pretty quickly. So you really got to have it buttoned up, have as much information as possible, so that you know how to direct the conversation. If anything is said at all, volunteered at all. Is there any credibility to it? What can you do with that information? You can take it back and get it corroborated by another. Your detainee. Siri is, uh, it's you got to shut that off, man. Siri is um, transcribing wow. everything you said. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> no, no, it's the I fucking CIA, man. Yeah, they're doing that. They're, they're listening to. Well, now, what That's, about um, what about using Siri. um, like chemicals? Like, what about like MDMA? Have they ever tried giving detainees ecstasy? Um, no, I mean, I don't know, 60s, you know, maybe the 1960s, Why not now? I'm sure. I'd, That's well, what I would say. You'd be, you'd be surprised say, now. Guys. Now I'm thinking, is Siri still listening to me? That damn that big brother. She big knew, well, listen, brother. I don't I you know what it is. It's not, it's not the government, it's, it's Google. I hate to break it to you, Apple. Google, but you can listen right now on YouTube. You yeah. don't need to fucking covertly yeah. attack Quit people's phones. Doing that asshole stuff. Uh, no, it's, you know what, there's, there are, and again, we. They might not know enough about ecstasy. I need to get on yeah. the team. If I just talk to them, <laughs> if I just get get along, I'm telling you, you give these guys two hits, they'll fucking tell you everything. We'll just give the them chemist. a massage. That'll be your code name. They'll the be chemist. so nice to you. Yeah. 
It just changes everything. <laughs> That's, they'll be so nice to you. They'll, they'll yeah. just just give them like some delicious food and give them a back mm. rub and just go. Listen, man, America's awesome. So tell me what you know about that plot yeah. that we want to know so, about. Yeah, you don't want to blow anybody yeah. up, man. Come then they on. they can't be your friend. How could you do oh, that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you kill people, they can't be your friend. <gasps> oh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that would work. I don't know why we didn't think about that, but it seems like yeah. it wouldn't work. But you know why? You haven't done ecstasy. Have, yeah. Well, there you go. Have you done yeah. it? No. Yeah. There you go. I've done it. Trust me. It'll fuck work yeah. just give people <laughs> two hits of ecstasy i'm serious right, after the show i tell you what i'll do we'll get we'll, I'll, we'll get on the jet and we'll go back to uh it headquarters seems and we'll, like we'll what i'm saying is bullshit no, it seems like i'm no, joking you know around no, but because, i'm telling you the, what that stuff does is first of all it kills all of your inhibitions gone all of your anxiety gone all and all of your insecurities gone and what you're left with is this over serotonin over dopamine state where you just love everything and everybody if you could give that to enemy combatants i guarantee yeah. you if you could talk to them you would get shit out of them that they would never want to discuss yeah i think the, uh, the, you know people won't buy it when i say it but there are tremendous constraints on what can and can't be done if people had gone through and actually read all those doj memos that were that's released bring me in buddy there you go that's what i'm talking about the chemist i'm I'd a like chemist to, i'd like to come in with a fucking lab coat chemist. on some fake glasses so i look look smarter than i am <laughs> <laughs> give me or a maybe, stethoscope i've always wanted a stethoscope or maybe like in club gear you just show oh, up you yeah, know, and you take go. them out for a rave um, yeah like high water pants yeah. <laughs> italian shoes now you're talking sort of the 70s hustle yeah just bring me oh, in i'm man. telling you just let me try it once yeah I could fix a lot of shit. With some you know chemicals. what? I'll put the idea forward. I'll see what they say, and I'm, then if you know, I'll the reason of, why yeah. they don't think it would work is because they haven't done it. Yeah. If you get anybody in the bureau, or anybody in the CIA or wherever who has done ecstasy, they would listen to this <laughs> and they would not want to say they've done it. So right. it'd be a real issue. But if you, I'm telling you, you give people two tabs of ecstasy. And then start asking them questions. Plus, also, it would have been a much happier facility. Oh, yeah. You know, can you imagine? But not the next day. Not the next day, no. The next no. day is rough. Ugh. You fucking... I, I remember the first time... Well, I only did ecstasy once, but the next day I did it, I could... I, I was in a, a coffee shop trying to read a boxing magazine. I literally could not read. I was like, God, I can't even, like, concentrate enough to read a full sentence. Like, this is oh, terrible. Geez. And it was just... Pretty much that day after. No, the, it's good. Took a couple days. Um, couple that days. night, okay. I went on stage and I was terrible. I went on stage that night in Dallas. If you went to that show back in two thousand and one or whatever it was, I'm sorry. Folks. He's apologizing. Yeah, it was a terrible <laughs> show. Just, well, I just had no energy. My yeah. brain was just like I felt like my brain was a dry sponge. Like someone had just squeezed all of the juice out of my brain. Yeah. See, it's those after effects. I just you know you think not oh, worth it. No. But there's ways out of no. that. There's a there's <laughs> just a, keep on it. No, there's Stay nutrients that you take oh. called 5-HTP. 5-HTP actually converts to serotonin in your brain. It's the building blocks for it. So what you do is, while you're tripping, you're supposed to double down on 5-HTP, and it helps you as you come off of it. Your serotonin jumps back up. Oh, not a hundred percent though, but to a manageable state. Dude, you do have to be a chemist though to do all that, right? You just got to be Most clever. Most people just buy a couple of tabs at the club yeah. and you know call it good. Well, um, if you're really smart, you actually yeah. take L-tryptophan and 5-HTP because L-tryptophan converts to 5-HTP. And you should also take adaptogens, like some B vitamins and different things as well. That also assist. That's what is that? What's in Turkey? Yes. Okay. Yeah, but so not you have a turkey, turkey sandwich, a turkey club, a yeah. nice turkey club, while you're that on crash. The ecstasy. <laughs> Apparently, that's bullshit. That crash that people always say from turkey, that you know it puts you to sleep. Apparently, that's all just carbs. Really? 
Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that makes sense. Yeah. yeah massive amounts yeah. of mashed potatoes and stuffing. Right. And just like, you just overeating. See, I can believe that. Yeah. 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 Although I. I do love stuffing. Listen, bring this information back. I'm talking to You don't even to have to them. bring it back. It's happening right now. Yeah. It's happening right now. They're hearing yeah, us. They just are. They're listening to it in the, in the watch center. They don't know. <laughs> it's, it's only because they don't know. <laughs> and Langley, they're taking notes right now. You know, he might. I, and, I and am right. Yeah. I'm telling yeah. you I'm right. Just try it once. It doesn't hurt anybody. They're not going to die. They might have to change some laws to uh, to, to get that to happen. Law. Yeah, Who the fucking know. knows? Ain't Bring me in. There's no laws. There's no laws. I show it's up it. with a suitcase and a smile. <laughs> I'll get you guys some UFC tickets. We will buy it. We'll, no, we'll get you a lab coat. <laughs> get you a special disguise. I would love no to one even knows it's you. Once. Just yeah. let me try it once. I yeah. guarantee. Just someone, some someone who's not totally despicable. Like you just got a, like a little mm. issue with this guy, talking. It just changes your chemistry. I mean, it just will. It will erase any inhibitions sounds, you have. It's, it sounds all very Mengele-like, though. It you know? does, but yeah. it doesn't hurt yeah. anybody. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think. Um, Right now, people are losing their minds because we got back on the the uh, interrogation thing. Everybody thinks I thought that was over and done with. Oh, and it, you, and, on your you know, side, it, yeah. people in the business, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, just people in general. I think everybody's just people just got so tired of it. And, well, you know, they definitely and, and did. People got tired of the war on terror. Nobody wants to talk. Uh, not that I want to talk about it, but that's what happens. You you think where is the end? Where you know? And and people just I'm just tired of it. I just want to move on. I don't want to think about it. And something happens, and people are reminded that it's still going on. There's still people out there that want to hurt you, and yet we're all just so exhausted from it. You know? Well, I think that's also, I mean, you could you could make an analogy to some of the stupid lies that Trump has told, that he tells so many lies mm. that he's just like, I can't even be bothered. This can't even be a scandal. Because it's just, there's so many of them. You just get overwhelmed by it to the point where you can't even, you can't process it anymore. It's exhausting. It's and exhausting. What, and and, and the, the idea that... It, and it kind of works both ways, right? It works in the sense that the tweets and the, the bizarre statements and the things are exhausting. And then on the you know the other side, the people that want to make all of that stuff the death of the republic every day, it's the death of the republic, that's exhausting. Mm. And you say, who's, who's running the shop? Who's keeping things moving forward? Right. And, and I don't know. You know, I mean, we've got some good people in government, some really hardworking people. For sure. Trying to do the right thing. And yet it's just... Um, I'm not. I'm not particularly confident right now. What do you so. think is the worst case scenario right now? So when you say you're not confident. Mm. Um, well, I think we could have. Uh, we could see the market, you know, kind of stall at this point. I mean, I think people have been amazed at how the market was resilient and, and not just resilient, but you know, uh, blasting upwards and showing apparently no concern for. You know how disheveled the administration has been over the first you but know, hasn't several months. Has the market months? been on a steady increase since 2007 or so? No, well, but 2008 I mean, I was mean, the crash, yeah, right? Yeah, but since that, since the recovery, it took a long time. It took a long time to come back. But then, yeah, right. I mean, it's not. It's not. But I, what I'm talking about is the time since the election. You know, the market showed this ability to kind of ignore what was happening, right? What was sort of the uh, the chaos, you know, that, that the media's reporting on Don't and all the Don't you think that they things. were encouraged, though, by his re remarks about business? That oh, he sure. wanted to encourage Tax business? cuts, yeah, sure. absolutely, yeah. And and, the, and some of the deregulation, which has, you know, okay, to be fair, you, you know, it's, it's a, there's been a, lot of, a fair amount of deregulation, but tax cuts, not so much. And, and so I think now that, you know, the market's starting to look at that and think, maybe we do have an issue here. Maybe it's not, you know, oh, going to work out the way we thought. So maybe that slows down. I don't think North Korea is going to be launching any missiles. They're not suicidal, right? I mean, they're they're Again, not. Again, yeah. ecstasy yeah. and 
I can see him doing it. Kim Jong Un. What's the fuck's his name? The the basketball player with the shit in his lips. Rodman. Rodman. Yeah. Send Rodman over there with a little bit. I could see Kim Jong Un. That's what I'm saying. I can see him do that. Definitely does ecstasy. So. That's not that. Now that I could get behind. That's an operation we could we could work on, you know, because that's not targeting detainees, and then yeah. we don't have all those regulations we got to worry about. But I think, you know, if Rodman, you know, willingly offers up ecstasy, and and mm. Kim says fine, then it's two consenting adults. Yeah, we don't even you know? allow Rodman to go back over there anymore, right? Isn't no, he was. Yeah, I think. But he Americans does. aren't allowed to go back there. Well, now. Yeah, but not right now. I suspect. Although if Rodman wanted to, I'm sure he. Did let welcomed. him go? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's our answer to, to everything. Send Dennis. Uh, he was a hell of a ball player in his day. He was. Uh, people forget. People think because, you know, he's, he's such an interesting cat yeah. now. But people forget what a great basketball player he was. Yeah, he just sort of went crazy. Yeah. Yeah, look mm. at him. Remember this? Look at this picture. Oh, yeah. That? Yeah. <laughs> Bad as I want to be. Was that a book he had out or something? Well, I mean, you can't knock the guy for trying to be unique. Yeah, yeah no, he's, he's unique. But he was, again, he... He was a hell of a player. Oh, he definitely was. Man, wow. that's a good look. I, I haven't seen that, that before. I got a jacket just like that. Tropical jacket with yeah. all the palm trees. and What is that he's wearing around his neck? Is that a, a fishing net? Or is that Could a... be anything. <laughs> yeah. That's... <laughs> Man. It's like you know. a silver Mr. T thing. See, I could look at that and say I could never pull that off. I could never. You could. I couldn't do that. Look. Like for no. Christmas? Yeah, nah, Halloween, but not not for Christmas. <laughs> not Christmas. And and besides, when Christmas when the season arrives, I put on my my uh, handmade New York Giants uh, sweater from my daughter, and I don't take it off until after the Christmas season. Is Whoa. Over. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty manky by now, but it, yeah, it's a great. It's Why a do great you sweater. choose to do that? Because it's a Giants. Oh, yeah. also a Giants fan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of those guys. Mm. Just cling to it, huh? I do cling to it. <laughs> I cling to it. Past glories. Maybe I so many can help you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm not in the government anymore. So, no, no. I might, those days are, the, even the possibility of those days, just like, mm. I mean, unless maybe I get older and I just, you know. Just want to see. Kids, just slip dad a tab, you know, and see what yeah, happens. T- tell know? dad to calm the fuck down. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. There's only one way. I've told my kids, look, if, if if things get bad, if I start to, you know, I God bless my my mom's ninety eight, and wow. she's all there. She's great. My dad passed away when he was ninety. He was all there, and uh, and so I've got a knock on wood. I'm hoping to make it a good long ways, but uh, you know that I've I've also seen uh, folks deal with the problem of you know onset dementia and and, and just mm. Alzheimer's the problems that, that that creates horrible things. I told my kids that, well, I haven't told them, but I told the oldest one, I said, just wheel dad out to the back and you, know, you guys all take turns shooting at me. And, you know, <laughs> whoever, whoever wins gets the house. Uh, so, Is that really, really what you told them? Yeah, what, yeah, the oldest one. I said To you shoot know, you? Yeah, he'll, he'll win right away. He's, he's a pretty good shot. Yeah, but if, yeah. then he'll go to jail. You don't want that. No, nah, it's Idaho. I'm sure there's got to uh, be some law in the books that says it's okay to... You know, no, that's, that's that's not true. You're right. Where do they have that um, assisted suicide assisted in California? Su- now. California, and I think Oregon. Or you Washington. posted something about Idaho about people that were going up there for the eclipse, and I, I retweeted it. It was fucking oh. hilarious from, oh, the, from the, uh, the sheriff's, sheriff's department, yeah. Lincoln County Sheriff's. <laughs> that that guy knocked it out of the park because was everybody amazing. was thinking the same thing. Everybody was like, because literally, you'd, you'd you know, these the hippies. Had, I don't know. Maybe they're not hippies. Oh, that's not fair. But, let's call them hippies. Yeah, let's just call for them fun. hippies. Yeah, they just. They'd pull their 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 camper or their you know their their Volkswagen Vanagon right out in the middle of a planted field, a freshly planted field, yeah. you know, because it's not 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 everything is fenced and gated out there, right? right? There's a lot of space, and and you know, they 
come on. Or they'll, or they'll take their, like the guy said, they'll take their Prius up in the back roads. You know, you think, yeah, it's, it's not, not going to work make out. It. It's not going to make it. The it's funny gonna... thing was about the dogs, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes, our yeah. dogs ride in the back of the yeah. truck, and occasionally some slow loaners take a tumble. <laughs> yeah. But don't go to pet them. They will bite you. <laughs> it's yeah. not your truck. It's their truck. And you'll see that. You'll see people, A, they get upset because you'll know, drive around with your, you know, your, your dog in the back of the truck. Yeah. And B, they'll, they'll like walk up and want to right. pet it. And you think, don't do that. Don't do it. You don't even know Leave that him dog. alone. He's a good dog, but he, that's his truck. The other so. thing about people having guns is, yes, yeah. everybody up here has a gun. This is Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And the wildlife, the wildlife will kill you. Yeah, everything will you, kill you. And it will hurt the whole time you're dying. <laughs> so, yeah, that sheriff, it was great. It's a great it fucking great. post. Yeah. We, I mean, got, we got great law enforcement out in Idaho. I just got stopped. I was... Uh, we were up in the mountains, um, and I was racing to get to the airport on Sunday, yesterday. And so I was coming through the canyon um, and uh, heading back into Boise from up in the mountains. And, and uh, I was doing about—well, I, I know what I was doing because the sheriff told me what I was doing. He stopped me. He said, you were doing 76. Now, this is a this is a nasty-ass canyon following the river, you know, and, uh, for most of the way. And, you know, you should be doing about 35, 40. But I, I was just humming, you know, and I was thinking, I'm making good time here. And then the what? sheriff was out because he's trying to catch hippies. And right. he, uh, he stopped me. And we had, but they're just great. You know, they, you, if you show them respect and polite, it's like a lot of places, right? It's not just Idaho. But, right. But the guy was like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'm, you know, sorry, we got to give you time, you know, but yeah, how's everything else? And you just end up chatting, having a great time, having a conversation. You don't mind getting the ticket and... You know, Bob's your uncle. But anyway, we, Mr. We got, Bakey, your yeah. white privilege is showing. Yeah, yeah. That's what's happening right there. Is that what's happening? It's a bunch of white privilege right yeah. there. Yeah, all God right. Maybe it. that, you know what? That's probably, that's probably the case. Now I feel bad. And I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to double what I send into the county. That's beautiful. I'm going to pay twice the amount that I should. That's nice. Just so that I, I, I self flagellate. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like that's a hobby. Most cops are great. I've always said yeah. that. Yeah. I think that it's, it's cops are like, most people. Most people you run into are fine. Most people you run into are great. Occasionally you run into an asshole, and then you have a problem, and then you run around going, oh, people are all assholes. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no. You, maybe one out of a hundred, you know? And I think with cops, it's an insanely difficult job, insanely stressful. Did and you see that video, that uh, one officer who was trying to get that fellow to stop, and he was, he was wearing a body camera, and so he had, he had, he had uh, asked him to stop, and he matched the description of, uh, I think, of a robbery and um, it's been on it's been on video quite a bit. And so the the officer is trying to get him to stop, trying to get him to stop. He won't stop. He says, "I will tase you." And he's coming around, right? So he's the guy won't take his hand out of his pocket. And that's mm -hmm. it. So the officer sees that his hands in his pocket when he gets kind of starts, you know, pieing that chart there. And he and he kind of gets around and he sees the hand and he starts saying, "Take your hand out, take your hand out, take your hand." And his body camera's running, and the guy. Pulls out a, a weapon and shoots him uh, repeatedly, and it's just—it's all there on. It's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, uh, it's a perfect example of how difficult that job can be, right? And it's, yeah. it's astounding. So I don't know whether that video is available. Or yeah, not, it is but, available. Oh, I've okay. seen it. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a bunch of those. I mean, I've mm. seen one of them where a guy pulls over this one uh, man, and uh, the guy was a Vietnam vet. Gets out of his car. He's got a rifle. He's yelling at him, "Get back in the car! Put the mm. rifle down! Put the gun down!" And then the guy starts shooting him. And he's, you know, shooting multiple rounds into the guy's car, and the guy starts screaming. Then he goes around by the passenger side and kills him. It's all like on camera and video. And you have to realize this is a routine traffic stop. Pulls him over for speeding or whatever it was, mm -hmm. and this happens. And it can happen 
all the time, and that's something that's on a cop's mind every time he pulls somebody oh, over. Exactly. And you might yeah. think, hey, I'm a good person. I'm not doing anything. So I was going five miles an hour over the speed limit. You know, why is this guy got his hand on his gun? Why right. is this guy freaking out? Well, maybe watch that video. Right. You know, maybe he's thinking about his kids. Maybe he's thinking about getting home to his family. Right, exactly. And that's and there's nothing that, and again, I mean, this idea that you can't say two things that, that some people might, you know, think, oh, that, that counteracts the other. Yeah, anytime there's, uh, you know, a case of police brutality, deal with it. We got to yeah, deal with it's it. Horrible. Of course. But it's a terrible job. It's a difficult job and it's a dangerous job and those those two statements can coexist, yeah. right? And there's and so you can support the police and you can also support efforts to stop police brutality wherever, you know, it, it takes place and and ensure that it doesn't, but you can also support the police and the yeah. difficult job they do and the efforts that they try to make to you know protect communities. So yeah, the last yeah. thing you want to do is alienate them further. I mean, that doesn't <laughs> yeah. do anybody any good. You, are you yeah. denying the idea or the possibility there are any good cops? Well, that's yeah. fucking crazy. But right. it's a really convenient thing for people to say, "Fuck the police," because you don't get a lot of pushback, especially when something happens. You don't get a lot of pushback. You look like you right. know you're some sort of a liberal hero. It's yeah. it's a very slippery slope, and the people that want no cops, well, okay, well, what about guns? What are we going to yeah. do now? You're going to just let criminals run everything? Yeah. No, no, the good people with their flowers are going to take over. Like, shit, shit breaks down really quickly, real right? quick, and you know, it's been a long time overseas in some pretty um, difficult environments, and you see sort of the the worst nature of people, or you know, the, and and. You know, and again, I agree with you. I think the vast majority of people are, are good. You know, they want to do good. They want to do the right thing. Um, they don't want conflict. Most right, people don't right, want conflict. Right. And and but but things can break down, and people can do things that that other folks that are trying to do the right thing couldn't even imagine. Right. And uh, yeah. So anyway, like shoot cops. Yeah. Yeah. Good I mean, God. you have to think. I would never shoot a cop. Why is this cop being so mean to me? Because he doesn't fucking know you. Right. Right. You know, right. he doesn't a, know yeah. you. You're doing something wrong. He's pulling you over and you got to comply and be polite and call him sir and try to diffuse a certain situation and be as friendly and as polite as possible. Yeah. You and know? that's not. And again, that's that's the same. You, you can give your kid no matter who you are. You can give your kid that same advice. Right. Look, the law enforcement has a difficult job. And, you know, so just if you're stopped, just comply, comply. Yeah. Nobody's ever. I, I mean, I, you just gotta. You gotta be concise and smart about that. And I tell my kids out, and I try to demonstrate by, like, when I I stopped, you know, and the sheriff came up, and you know, my kids were in the car, and I I I was polite, and I was saying, and he got to the window, and I said, I don't have any excuse. I was racing to get to the airport. I was speeding. I know it, and I have no excuse. And that sets the tone immediately. Right. And he understands. Right. Now it helps that he looks in there and he sees a big dog and the kids and everything, and he's right. that brings it down a little bit there's right. no doubt about it um and so other situations they might be more on edge because they don't know they're not sure and you know so yes where there's problems deal with it we got to take care of it and but we can also acknowledge the fact that the police have a, a damn difficult job yeah and it doesn't mean that there aren't horrible mistakes and horrible cops Absolutely. and people that are under pressure yeah. that do terrible things you know, I mean, there's some videos of people that comply and still get shot. It's yeah, it's a terrible yeah. tragedy. No, and absolutely. They make they make mistakes, or they have the wrong mindset, or yep. they're not trained properly, sure. and so, or they're all yeah. PTSD'd out, and they're just not designed for that job in the first place. Right, right. I mean, it's very difficult to tell who's going to crack under pressure. The pressure of the day to day situation that a lot of cops find themselves in. Yeah. No, it's it's it. 
yeah. Um, but the idea that you're right, the idea that you'd remove law enforcement and somehow we're all going to live in, in a peaceful community. Crazy. Those um, anarchists yeah. drive me fucking nuts. Yeah. We don't need laws, man. F- shut your fucking mouth. Yeah, get rid of all the laws and universal basic income. That's yeah. going to be a, a, a yeah, panacea. Good luck. What if we do out the guns? We gather them up and melt them down. <laughs> Not mine. Make Martin Luther King yeah. Jr. statues everywhere. <laughs> Um, well, you know, we were talking before the podcast started about um, what's uh, what could possibly go wrong in Afghanistan, and that uh, Trump could was going to possibly gonna, go wrong. Yeah, yeah. that Trump was going to make some sort of an announcement, and you were talking about the idea of uh, privatizing mm-hmm. the uh, the military over there, and you know, bringing in you know contractors. Yeah. And, talking about it from the point of view that I, I don't agree with the idea. Yeah, and that's, exactly. Um, and I, you know, I. Yeah, you know, in terms of disclosure, right. I mean, my company, Diligence, we got a security services group. Um, and starting back in 2003, we started building up a fairly significant presence out in Iraq, right, as, as private contractors, uh, providing support to the infrastructure operations that were going on out there. And what's the benefit of having a private contractor for, for the military as opposed to, like, well, military forces? At, at that time, most of our work was actually for uh, the infrastructure companies, right? Because the military is not going right. to be providing support. They need so the same level of security. And if they Halliburton need, yeah. is building up some sort of a new business there, they would right. hire you guys to come in. And- exactly. And so that's an important effort because, you know, they need the same level of security that a forward operating base or a military base or facility would need. You know, but the military is not going to allocate resources for right. a private companies. So a lot of the, what the private contractors were doing was that. And then also private contractors, you know, uh, getting contracts to provide additional security support or logistical support to uh, the military, to military facilities where they can't, you know, they, they can't afford to allocate resources to perimeter security and to the degree that they would like. So private contractors come in and help with that or providing support in the movement of dignitaries or whatever it may be. Point being is, we were out there for for quite some time um, in Iraq doing that, and we were there at the beginning of sort of this private contractor thing, right? And people started becoming aware of it, and we started working with groups, including uh, Eric Prince's um, group. We didn't work directly with him, but what I mean is that the various groups that were out there doing these contracts and this work, you know, realizing they needed to start to form an association or start to get some sort of you know grip on how this thing would look, right? So that there was some consistency amongst training and what were the regulations for, you know, uh, the various companies for, you know, weapons and everything else. It's complicated, but, you know, long story short is, you know, we had upwards of 400 people, I guess, out there at a, at a point providing security and, and intelligence support. So I've got some experience in this. And now what's happening with Afghanistan is that one of the options that's been being considered is is handing over, we got about 8,400 troops out there right now doing mostly training missions, training operations and, and support for the Afghan troops. So the idea was, uh, well, let's let the private contractor take that over. Let's let's move that out and let's not have the brave men and women of, of the U.S. military engaged in Afghanistan ad nauseum. You know, and this idea is being pushed to some degree by Eric Prince, you know, and he's, you know, said things like, well, you know, if you... You know, if you want to keep having this conversation, you want to have the conversation 10 years from now, fine, let the military keep doing it, you know, or we can be more, you know, somehow efficient. And explain to people who Eric Prince is from Blackwater. Oh, from Blackwater. Blackwater. Yeah. yeah, he came out of a, of a uh, wealthy uh, Michigan-based family. Betsy DeVos, the, ca- the education secretary, is his sister in the current administration. And 
So he started Blackwater, and you know they you know, they they became sort of the face of right because they 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 you know did very well as a private contractor business. They got good contracts, and that was good. They had some issues and some problems. They, very controversial. Very controversial. They sold the, the the business, renamed it, and then renamed it again, and yada yada yada. But the point being is that the idea that somehow you're going to privatize this operation in Afghanistan, expecting then. You, I guess here's the thing, because he, he said, well, it'd be about $10 billion a year, which would be a savings on what we spend now. You give private contractors uh, you know, a $10 billion trough to eat at, you think they're going to end it anytime soon? There's no fucking way. So right. if we want this thing to just drag on ad nauseum, fine, privatize it and, and put that profit motive up there. And you think somehow it's not going to happen. And again, it's never I, gonna dry I, up. I say that as a private contractor right. in, you know, that had been involved in it. Well, I appreciate you know, your honesty. Now, in that you know, it just, it's, just, it's the wrong thing to do. And, if, and, and on top of that, if we're, and I guess the, the, the overlying, uh, the 30,000-foot the view that I've got is that if it's important enough for us to be there, and that's a military function. That's a, that's, then we have to commit in a way that, you know, we're not right now. We've been in this sort of stalemate situation right over there. And now we're somewhat surprised or people are surprised that the Taliban is resurgent. Well, where the hell did they think they were going to go? There's, the Taliban don't have any place to go. So they're going to wait us out. This was entirely predictable that some – and we're, we're trying to sell them this pseudo-federal democracy – you know, the Afghan people don't understand, for the most part, I don't think. Maybe I'm just too cynical. But they don't understand what the hell we've been trying to sell them for all these years. So this doesn't diminish all the pain and sacrifice and suffering of all the people that have been out there and the lives that we've lost. It doesn't diminish it at all. What I'm saying is that we need to think about what's our, what's our end game. What's our objective? So if, if we're worried now about the Taliban resurging and ISIS, you know, kind of coming back in, well, fine. But let's, let's say this is our objective. And to meet that objective then we're going to need more troops on the ground. And let's see how that plays out. I don't think a lot of people are going to be happy about it. You don't necessarily do things to make people happy if it's a national security interest. If we decide that that's in our national security interest, then yes, we need to commit and do it. But handing it over to a privatized you know, force, to me, is, is, uh, is, is just slightly left of insane. It doesn't make any sense. And you know, it's always easy for people to stand around and talk tough and say, we just need more troops. You know? Well... I don't know that the objective is sufficiently clarified to say that we need more troops. I haven't heard. I don't care whether we improve the literacy rate of the Afghan people by another percentage point or if we build another road. I don't think that's in our national security interests. And so I think we need to be a little bit more clear about why we're there or what we're hoping to accomplish at some point. We wanted to be there so that we, they wouldn't use it as a playground for terrorists to then develop and plot and plan and, and, and attack the West again. So maybe the thing that we should have done was go in there, kick the shit out of them like we did in Tora Bora and elsewhere, explain to the remnants of the government, if you allow that to happen again, we're going to come back and we're going to do this again. And we're very good at that. We're very good at strategic operations. And we could have done that. And maybe that's the thing we need to do now. And then that government's been corrupt for a very long time. The Karzai government, holy shit, they were completely corrupt. And yet we all rallied around Karzai as if he was, you know, because he dressed well. Well, his tell. brother was a heroin dealer. Yes, yeah, awful. And, you know, and the current government, is, is, is it any better? Well, they're a little more clever at hiding their corruption, but it still exists. And more importantly, the tribal society there doesn't really get this idea of, you know, a strong central government. You know, right. it, it kind of runs counter to thousands of years of, of self-governance out there. But anyway, 
So that's that's the thing. So what's what's he going to say tonight? I don't have a clue, but I think he's, he does. He's got limited job. What's he going to say? We're going to cut and run. We're going to leave. That's one option. We're going to increase the number of uh, U.S. troops on the ground. That's one option. There it is, right there. It's up. Trump proposed sending four thousand more troops to Afghanistan. Is that is that good? Now here's the thing about uh, when it comes to uh, operations over there and what are what what the objectives are. One of the things that I've been hearing from people that are in the military that I know is they say they are happy that Trump is supporting them and that Trump mm. is kind of essentially giving the reins to the military, saying, "Look, this is what you guys do. I'm not going to get in your way. In fact, I'm going to support you." And there seem to be one of the few groups that is fairly universally happy with his decisions in that regard and, and with and, the people and, that he's appointed. I think that's right. I think law enforcement as well, I think is, it, it, if you feel like you've got top cover, right. you know, then, you know, and that was one of the problems. I mean, people talked about the, or, and we talked about it briefly about the idea of the, you know, sort of the narrative of, of uh, sort of a battle between Trump and the intel community. Well, yeah. the intel community had a problem with the previous administration because they kept shifting the goalposts. They were going to criminally prosecute people in the agency for engaging in that interrogation program and, and rendition program that had been approved by the previous administration. That, you know, that creates some ill will. So the fact that, you know, the military and, and to some degree, you know, others and, and certainly law enforcement feel as if they've got this top cover from the current administration, that is a good thing. And if you're, if you're willing to not politicize all of this and, and, and make every decision related to national security based on how you think it's going to move the polls, then that's also a good thing. As long as you're getting good, solid advice and you're consistent in your decision-making process, all those things are good. Um, I don't know enough about Trump to know how, you know, he makes those decisions. But he does have good – Mattis is a good person. Pompeo is yeah. a good person. John Kelly certainly is a great guy. McMaster. All these people are solid people who in any other administration would – you know, people would be saying, yeah, that's great. You know, they're very highly regarded. But sort of there's this cloud over it because it's Trump. Right. And people are still not sure how things play out in that administration. But if he does listen, I think – yeah, that's a good thing. But sending 4,000 more troops, that's not quite 50% on top of what we've currently got there. Um, what does that allow us to do? Well, some of those troops are going to have to be involved in security operations of the trainers. Some of those troops are going to have to be involved in, you know, logistical support, intel collection support. So, you know, will it make us more effective in um, defeating in the short term? some of the pushback from the Taliban and, and identifying and taking out more ISIS? Well, sure. Okay. And then, and, and then what? I guess that's my question. And then right. what? What do well, we What are want? we doing there? What, what is our want? objective in Afghanistan right. today right. in 2017? What is the objective? I couldn't eloquently, not that I could eloquently do shit, but I couldn't, I couldn't state what our end game is there. I think it's, I would suppose in a big picture, it's to create a stable society that will be a bulwark of some form of democracy. Have we ever done that, though? I mean, have we ever successfully been involved in nation building? We have, yeah. Where? I mean, you think about um, post-World War II. You know, oh, okay. I mean, that, that, but that was, again, different times, yeah. right? I mean, so it, you can't compare necessarily, you know, chronologically. <laughs> I, so, but like when we've invaded places uh, or when we've been a part of, like, look what's going on in Libya. I mean, we, we supported that revolution and now it's a fucking complete disaster and a terrifying yeah. part of the world yeah it's a real hot mess and um nobody wants to talk about libya and and you know we didn't have a national security interest in libya and and, and yet we allowed ourselves to get in there why did and, we do that um 
a lot of pressure from the French and the Italians, who did. Um, and I think we felt it was somehow, I don't know why, but maybe there was a feeling as if it would be easier, more containable somehow. But, hmm. I mean, shit, there's more tribal, you know, history, more tribes in Libya than in Afghanistan. It's, you know, you've got like 130 some odd tribes in Libya. It's another thing I and watched it's recently. As a, as a country. You yeah. Know? So. Huh. Um, I watched Gaddafi's death again oh. recently. Mm-hmm. Watched the whole capture of him and the, the, the whole thing. It was just fascinating to watch this brutal, evil, murderous dictator all of a sudden get caught by these common people, these rebels. Yeah. You know, like, you know, outside of his palace and freaking out and. Yeah, his but, hair's all fucked up. But and the just, weird thing is, is he was he was our guy. He was our yeah. evil dictator, right? Yeah. He had renounced nuclear for a while. weapons. Yeah. He had gotten on board uh, for the most part on sort of a counterterrorism program to provide assistance or uh, at least support or at least not impede. Uh, I'm not saying he was. A, yeah, he was. A, he was a complete son of a bitch. But it's interesting, isn't it? The dynamics involved. And so we decided it was better to support the French and Italians and topple him. And now. You know, it's, I mean, but that's always the case, you know. You, Isn't it always you know. case, too, that we have these dictators, we, we prop them up, and then after a while, we're like, Jesus, this fucking guy, we got to get him out of there. Like Saddam. Yeah, yeah. Like sort of same, and Hussein lasted a long time in that position. When you think about the horrific nature of some of the shit that he did and his sons did. Oh, yeah. His sons were completely. Monsters. Yeah, yeah. And that's a good point. I mean, you know, and but, you know, hey, how did it, how did his presence when they were, uh, at odds with Iran, you know, how did that uh, help our overall sense of strategic, you know, foreign policy? So things happen, and you don't, you know, it's you don't get to pick and choose. Sometimes, I guess maybe you do, but then it'd be a, it'd be a kind of a strange world. But you got to deal with sometimes with the people that are out there, and and you know, um, so it's I, I, I don't know, four thousand more troops in Afghanistan. I, I is that going to somehow solve a problem it's going to i suspect kick the can down the road again it's like vietnam what would you do where did the Viet Cong have to go they had nowhere to go right right it's a totally different situation though isn't it because the Viet Cong really didn't have any threat to us well what i mean is is what did we think was going to happen right they were going to outweigh us they were going to outlast us they were going to the suffering was nothing in their minds compared to what we were going through and how we were processing it so i guess that's what i mean you can't yeah everything is is uh it's relative, but I mean, with this, um, what would you do? Well, I, if you were in the situation to call the shots, like someone said, "Hey, Mike Baker, what do we do about Afghanistan?" Yeah, you know what? Um, it's it's it's. It, it, I'm not saying it's an easy it, by any means. It's, it's where, uh, a it's above my pay grade, but b, I think um, ISIS creates a different inv- situation there. If we hadn't seen ISIS develop and start to impact to some degree things that are going on in Afghanistan, then I think we could be better off just saying, okay, we're going to figure out a way to work with the Taliban. I mean, the Taliban, I think at this stage of the game, uh, could be contained within Afghanistan without allowing their place to be used as a shelter for terrorism. I, I say that now caveating saying now you've got ISIS and that's a different kettle of fish because they're at odds with each other so what are we going to do end up you know in some weird fashion supporting the Taliban in their efforts to you know stamp out ISIS right I I don't know it's a it's a that gets real weird yeah uh, this is we're, t- we're talking thousands of years of history of failed efforts in Afghanistan and do I think do I have the hubris to think that we somehow are going to solve this no 
So, you know, maybe maybe the answer is just find that point on the curve where you can support an existing government that you can hold your nose and live with. It's you know that it's corrupt and you know, but at least they're working in the counterterrorism realm, you know, and they're they're supporting those sort of interests from our perspective. And yet, you know, I don't think we're ever going to get to that point where we see a stable, self-supporting, you know, pseudo-democratic nation exist there. I just don't think it's going to happen. So that's a hugely unsatisfying answer. But, you know, maybe it's maybe it's like pollution. You do little things, you know, and hope that it helps. And maybe that's what we're doing here. You know, if you just start from the point of view of saying, we're going to create a bulwark of democracy, you're overwhelmed. It's never going to happen. So you don't do anything. You back right. out of it. I, part of me just, I, I hate the idea of leaving, right? I mean, I think a lot of people do who... Uh, well, they think we're going to create a vacuum, right? Right. And, and quite frankly, that's typically what happens. You know, and particularly with ISIS, you know, in a presence there, they would see that and they would see an opportunity. Now, you know, they, they're, they're at odds with the Taliban and the Taliban's pretty brutal. Um, could they handle it on their own? You know, meaning could they, you know, destroy ISIS on their own? Well, who knows, maybe. But it's, uh, it certainly complicates the situation. But now, you Especially know, if we just decide to sw- somehow or another support ISIS. No, that's never going to happen. We're never, no. I mean, yeah. excuse me. Oh, support the Taliban. The Taliban, oh, the Taliban their, yeah. their battle against ISIS. I could see that more. I could see elements of the Taliban saying, look, we just want to fucking self-govern, right? Okay, we get it. But could you ever imagine a scenario where the United States would support the Taliban because they were at war with ISIS? Mm. Like the Taliban could soften their stance on some things? We reach some sort of common ground? Well, look, we're kind of on the same side with Iran against ISIS, right? We're not supporting Iran, but in a way we are in the sense that we're, we're trying to kill the same people. Right. So who would have thought that, you know, four or five years ago? So it's... That's how nutty ISIS is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, everybody can agree. Everybody can agree. It's, yeah. a, it's the one group that everybody can agree on. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. So that's what the president's going to talk about this evening, 4,000 more troops. I, You know, he could have said, we're going to leave, and the people that hate Trump would be up in arms. He could say, we're going to add 4,000 troops, they're going to be up in arms. He could say, we're going right. to give it over to the private contractors, they'd be up in arms. It doesn't really matter. So there's going to be a lot of opposition to this regardless. Um if there's a clear, defined mission with an end game, fine. I just haven't heard. I, I don't know what that is. Yeah. And maybe, they, maybe they've said it. I just haven't seen it. Well, it seems like the only way we're ever going to get peace and harmony in the world is if there's no fifth world, fourth world, third world, or second world. Just one first world. Everybody has, like, suburban problems. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, is that no, even possible? No. I mean, uh, no? an equitable Never? society where everybody's on the right. same footing? Impossible. Uh, maybe because if you have universal pet. basic income um, uh, and... Uh, across the world. Uh, yeah, and get rid of law enforcement. Drain uh, the 1%. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, I don't Crack th- everywhere. I don't think that's it. Yeah, it's not going to happen. And, and I, you know... That's so disheartening for people, though. To, to A guy like you who has uh, so, much, so many years of experience in, in intelligence agencies... That you would say that there's nothing that could ever be done that would give peace in the world. Like, generations from now, we're still going to be dealing with the same issues we're dealing I with I mean, now. maybe, you know, if the chemist can figure out a way to get us all some ecstasy, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's going to solve it. Yeah. No, I don't know. You know, it's, it's, it's the way it is. It's human nature. And, uh, I, you know... 
But, but I got, we have to we go through that, periods of peace. Right. You go through periods of prosperity, and and during those periods, it kind of helps to lift everybody up, and they get to a certain level that they didn't imagine before. Right. They're still trailing, but are we ever going to get to a point where we're all, you know, we're all the same? I don't. I, I mean, I hey, great, but I don't see it. I mean, well, I, I, here's a perfect I'm example: mm-hmm. the United States and Germany. Right? We mm-hmm. were at war in the 1940s, and now we're absolutely at peace. Mm-hmm. I mean, this and Germany is prosperous and. It's a, a great country and everything's great. I mean, I would wonder what would have to take place for this to be a worldwide thing where the, the rest of the world sort of rises up to an adequate level of civilization and we no longer engage in the potential global war that we're all looking at right now. We're mm-hmm. really looking at the possibility with Russia and with North Korea and all these different players there could be some sort of a twisted World War Three going on. Yeah, Russia, I think, life. is, is uh, Russia's punching over its weight. I mean, at the end of the day, Russia's got a GDP, you know, equivalent to a mid-sized EU country, right? I mean, so they just, you know, and, and Putin is very clear he wants to rebuild the Soviet Union to some degree in some fashion, right? And he's been he's done it through some territory. He does it through energy policy, uh, through meddling, like they always do. But so, I, you know, I don't think Russia. But to to your point. Yeah, as with the U.S. and Germany, could we see a, a way that the U.S. and Iran, for example, could find common ground and suddenly 40 years from now be at peace and not only at peace, but supporting each other's economy and, you know, have that sort of interaction? And uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Oof. I don't think so. Damn. Can I pour you some coffee? No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm just thinking. I'm just like, it's just at a certain point in time, it just, it's very frustrating to think that uh, I guess the pace of progress is so incredibly slow. When you look back in history, this is probably the safest time to be alive ever. So there's been mm. some progress from, you know, the Roman times to today. There's obviously been some worldwide progress. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, right. longevity and, and, you know, stamping out disease and all the rest of those things. Yeah, we're, no, this is a, you know, for what, it, for what it's worth, it's a great time to be alive. And people that are walking around every day trying to find a reason to be offended or finding that, you know, it's a... It, it's because know, it's there's a, no real conflict yeah. that they have these issues. Right. It's, the, 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 the hordes aren't coming over the border right. to, you know, to, uh, to rape and pillage. You and there's know? no and Great so, Depression. There's, right. no, there's food is no pretty easy to find. They did find the plague. They did. Found the bubonic plague on some ticks, right? Yep. Where was that? Was that in Arizona? Um, I think it was. Goddamn Arizona. Yeah. <sighs> This what it's a in response to Joe Arpaio getting arrested. Everybody's mad. <laughs> oh, I wonder if that's what. It, God, wasn't there some him. talk about Trump? Uh, yeah, pardoning, pardoning him? him. Yeah. What is he? Yeah, it is bubonic plague in Arizona. Fleas found carrying the infectious uh, disease. There you Wonderful. go. Wonderful. So you know, and that's where it's going to be. It's not going to be. This is my, for what it's worth. I put this along with my big pussy theory, but it's not going to be the North Koreans, you know, firing off a missile or whatever. It's going to be this idea. It's going to be a pandemic, something that we didn't quite see coming, right. you know, a mutation of a, of a disease or something. Because I do believe in the idea that, you know, nature takes care of its own eventually, you know, just like a deer herd or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and eventually the overpopulation issue becomes a concern. And, and, and that's how the earth tends to reset itself. I yeah, think. that is so, always how it works. Yeah, uh, that would suck. But another reason to be in Idaho bubonic plague i mean they have, they have three human cases in new mexico that article said and then they found it in fleas in arizona <laughs> yeah well everybody go see your doctor well they uh, won't survive the winter in so, idaho what else has been going on what else you tell we me eh, 
The guy think. with the inside track. Yeah, well, there is that. The man with the suit coat on. Yeah, I know. I get that. Right? Looking sharp. You know, and what, what I have in here also is a pocket, pocket square. Ooh, I get look at that. Really pocket pull square. it up. I pull that out when I do a TV interview. I pull ah, up my pocket square. And, just to get uh, a little classier? Well, people tend to think you know what you're talking about when you have a hanky in your I pocket. I learned that from uh, Guy Ritchie. He explained the pocket square to me. Did he? Yeah, he schooled me in it. It's, it's his theory? So this is not something I was working on and developing. This is his theory. No, oh, no oh, it's not oh, his theory, but he is very well- educated and very th well thought out in regards to his choice of suits and a man wearing a well-tailored suit. Oh, damn, is he, he's not still married to Madonna. No, he? he got rid of that <sighs> check a long time uh, ago. I remember, But he had a kid with her. Whoops. Oh, oh. There you go. Yeah. I remember Good Madonna, luck. as soon as she started seeing Guy Ritchie, I was living in, in England at the time, and she just suddenly, all of, out of nowhere, had a British accent. I love it. Love yeah. when people do that. It's fantastic. I love uh, that. I love uh, when white people talk like black people. I love, um, it's my favorite. Or a Chinese guy talking like a black guy. That's even better. A <laughs> Chinese guy? Yeah. What have you heard that? I've seen it. I've oh. seen it many times. Uh. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, transracial like people that think they're the oh, wrong yeah. race. Yes, yeah. so that's a new thing. It's yeah. a, one of the few trans things you can mock. Still, can you mock it? Yes. Okay. Openly, right. so and I'm sure. not letting it go. You so, what would that, that be? That'd be that would be Rachel Dolezal. Oh, that's that lady right. Who yeah. ran the NAACP in Spokane. That's right. And the uh, identified with black people. Sean King. That's that, what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. another one. But he denies it. He says that uh, it's actually it's all huh. that everyone is wrong. His mom, his dad, his birth certificate, people he knows. They all lied to him. Uh, they're lying to everybody else, and only he knows. Oh, well. He says his mom had an affair with a light-skinned black man or something. It's not my business. Yeah, who knows? Exactly. Exactly. It's just, I can't I can't find enough energy, given everything else that's going on, to be offended by very much, frankly. I just don't care. I like people to live their own lives. If yes. you're happy, God bless you. Just be happy. I'm way and, more amused than I am ever offended by things like that. I'm amused. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, that's a good way to that's a good way to say it. You're more amused than, than offended. I just. Do you know Rachel Dolezal, the chick from Spokane? Because she uh, got in trouble, you know, because everyone was mad at her. She changed her name uh, legally to the blackest name the world has ever known. What did Here, she change? Young it to? Jamie, pull that pull that name up. This is a it's a wonderful name. And uh, I would encourage anyone that wants to be transracial to do the game, the same thing. N-K-E-C-H-I, uh, I don't know how you say that, Nikechi Amare Diallo. That's her new name. Ready? Wow. Here we go again. Nikechi Amare Diallo, D-I-A-L-L-O. Hmm. What? Holy smokes. She, I like the description, <laughs> though, that they give her. She's a former civil rights activist. And a f oh, well, I guess because she was fired. But former Africana just, studies instructor. What's Africana? She decided to give up the civil rights activist thing. Mm, yeah, <sighs> silly goose. But it was great when she had like a fro. Wow. Like, look at her over there with that. <laughs> yeah, full white family, orange spray tan from Lincoln I mean, County, Montana. <laughs> little Ruth Ann's girl. <laughs> but wow. she feels like she identifies with black people more. She likes their culture more. And, you know, there's always been people that like the culture more and talk well, sure, like but, they're a part of the culture. But you don't, uh, you don't say you are. Yeah, that's know? the new thing, though. Isn't that you're appropriating? Allowed... And aren't there aren't they people that are offended by yes. the idea of appropriating? Like if I opened a Mexican restaurant, people would be uh, offended because oh, yeah. I, I shouldn't do that. I should just, 
I, you know, I don't well, know I what know, I should do. You know? I know black people that were furious at her, and I know other oh, okay. people that are also black that were laughing hysterically at it. They yeah. thought it was what it what I think. I mean, it really doesn't affect you. It's ah. preposterous. And not only that, don't be infuriated by the fact that she got caught. I mean, she's. I mean, this is. This yeah. is she's not like having any undue influence. This is all ridiculous. Right. No, exactly. And and also. It, again, it's this idea that people are walking around looking for reasons to be offended, yeah. and it just seems exhausting. It's like everything, and, and so I don't, I don't know how people do it. I don't know how or why they do it. Maybe they just don't have enough going on in their lives. They don't have enough objectivity. Yeah. I mean, they get caught up in the momentum of being pissed off about something. But the, the, that cultural appropriation or pretending you're something, like look at how many fucking people pretend they're Native American because it makes them seem more spiritual. Jesus, that's yeah. always been an issue. Yeah, yeah, there is Elizabeth that. Warren. Yeah. Elizabeth Warren. I was just trying to remember her name. That's right. Is she going to run? I wonder if she's going to run in 2020. Well, that's always going to be a problem. Mm, you, yeah. you lied and said you were part Native American to get some sort of a scholarship. That's right. Harvard, wasn't it? Harvard? <laughs> yes. Oh, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this. There, there's, there's, the world is so funny. After uh, when, when, uh, when we went into uh, Iraq in 2003, early 2003, um, people started looking at the business opportunities of Iraq, right? And I remember there was that, that whole idea, excuse me, that there was going to be all sorts of business opening up in Iraq because I don't know what they were thinking. But um, so then it became people looking for contracts, government contracts, commercial sector contracts to do business in Iraq. And so the idea was suddenly there was a mad rush to open up uh, minority-owned um, and veteran-owned and... Um, um, uh, women-owned businesses. So the idea was if you had a, um, like an Inuit Indian, you know, Eskimo, who was supposedly in charge of your business, that gave you extra points when you were weighed in the bid for a contract that you were going for. So there became this cottage industry, you know, much like the casino business of trying to find mm. tribes that you can represent in order for them then to open up a, and you're creating essentially a tribe to have a casino, right? Because right. it gives them you know, certain advantages, which, so it's, a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting world we live in. Well, the Native American casino business is very weird in that regard. And mm. also that a lot of people in these areas, because they're a certain percentage, and I think it's as little as one sixteenth Native American, you can get a check. So, like, if if the casino is raking in the cash, the people that are a part of that tribe oh, all okay, get yeah, free yeah, money. Yeah. So these yeah. casinos are just generating like fucking billions of dollars a year. They just oh yeah. No, some some of them do very well. Some of them are kind of you know marginal, yeah. but but uh, yeah, there are a number of them that do do very well. And you know what? And for some of these, I don't know about you, but some of the, I tell you what, I if you want to be depressed, go to you know there's there's certain Indian reservations in this country. That are just awful. Oh my, oh my God. God! The level of poverty is just alcoholism, astounding. Yeah. And, and and yeah, exactly. Substance abuse and lack of opportunity, lack of educational facilities for the kids, uh, and that's just not that's not right, right? That's right. not we sh we should be far better than that. There should not be. Yeah, yeah, huh. it's well, just, Native it's American astounding. reservations are very strange when you think about like how long ago it was that these tribes people were, you know, roaming the earth in nomadic fashion and living the life they did before the Europeans came. Mm -hmm. And that now they've become this segmented part of our population that's sort of a part of America, but has their own kind of like nation inside of a nation. And yeah. it has weird rules. Like the way they have it up in Canada, they call them First Nation people. But in Canada, it's real weird in regards to wildlife. 
Like, I don't know if you know how it works mm. up there, but they mm. can shoot anything they want all year round. And they have it that way in Washington State as well. Right, right. With elk. You know, they hunt elk all year round. Mm -hmm. The rules are so different. Fishing's they, the same way. They use yeah. spotlights yeah. For, for moose. Mm -hmm. So, like, they drive at night with 4 by 4s the, the moose see the spotlight. They freeze. They blow them away with high-powered rifles. And they can kill them as many as they want all wow. year round. The we, same used to go, with, we used to go spotlighting uh, kangaroos. I lived in Australia uh, when I was younger. Worked Where on did a sheep you station. I you lived in England. Lived um, in Australia. Lived, I, I, I've lived in a lot of places, but I'm, I'm now in. The, I'm, I'm in my last place now. I know. <laughs> I'm not. I'm never moving. But um, yeah, we used to go in Australia. Worked on. Lived on a sheep station out there. Jesus. Massive property. We. You get in the, the back of the truck, you know, with the spotlights, and you go out. And those kangaroos are hard as shit to hit. They are tough hunting. No, you guys doing that for population control? Yeah. there's too yeah. many of them? Yeah. Just, Did you eat the kangaroos? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's supposed not, to be delicious. Yeah. You know, it, 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 they can be, you know, depending on how you know old they are. And, right. You know, which, how you cook but, it. Um, the uh, the tail is actually the the tastiest part. Why kangaroo tail? Yeah, yeah, I don't know about all that. Yeah. but <laughs> no, I don't mean the ass. I mean the tail. <laughs> they have a big tail because it balances around. So I've seen the monkey. Yeah, there you go. Um, Saw in real life. Yeah, so they. But anyway, they are hard to hit. They are completely unpredictable in their movement. You know, and they just uh, and they move fast and they uh, they jump. You know, the, the fences they can clear. It's impressive. I don't know why I'm talking about We played a video of uh, these massive herds or packs or whatever you call them of kangaroos mm -hmm. roaming across the field. Like some people have no idea what the numbers are. Yeah. You know, I have friends that live in Australia and okay. they tell me like there's places that are just infested and there's nothing they can do. They don't know what yeah. to do. Yeah. So they, they literally have to gun them down because yeah. there's it's, no predators. It is. It's, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, what do you got? A dingo's not going to bring down a, you know, a, uh, a kangaroo yeah, or good luck. a feral cat, you know, or I mean, yeah. but... Um, it's yeah. So there's, they they just, just they're all over the place. Um, great little animals though. They're Lots cool. Of, yeah, yeah. And they're kind of cute and they're tasty. Yeah, look at these fuckers. There you go. Bouncing all over the place. Kangaroo call oh, starts look today. At that. Jesus yeah. Christ! So many of them, and uh oh, uh -oh. people are upset. I uh -oh. guess these people are upset at the kangaroo call. Eh, you're always gonna have that. Well, uh, that one got stuck in a fence. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, I mean, whenever you have a, an animal that doesn't have any sort of a natural predator, and they can just free, free yeah, ball it. Exactly. Yeah, that's what they. I mean, they, and Australia is such an interesting place. You know, every time they introduce a species to try to solve a problem, that species oh, they just takes that up. off. Yeah, yeah. It just and it's 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 never ending. I was trying um, to explain to someone the other day about the cats there. Yeah. That they they hunt cats like like what we think of as a pet, and they're like, why? And I'm like, listen, I know it doesn't seem right, but the feral cat population is just run out of control. Yeah. Like we did a, a podcast once. We pulled up the feral cat population in America and what it does, that they kill billions of <laughs> birds and rodents in yeah. America. Yeah. And someone was like, no, that can't be right. I'm like, listen, they, the scientists who do the study are shocked. Cats are fucking murderers. Yeah. yeah. And we had a cat, get, a great cat named Charlie, who's now died. Um, but he was, uh, he was not to a cat for the most part, but he would, uh, he would kill chipmunks and he Ooh. would lay the chipmunks out in, in a row, so like an see. offering. Yeah. Yeah. And he was incredibly efficient. We try to keep him indoors, but you know, the guy, he just wanted to be outside killing something. So it's his fun time. Yeah. And then come in and you open up a nice fresh can of cat food for him. Like, thanks dad. <laughs> He's got a little bit of chipmunk in his tooth. Um, uh, yeah. But the feral cats, yeah. In, in, uh, in the, in the ranches, I mean, you'd be out repairing fences or something and. You know, you just kind of 
get off and the, or they'd spook the horses or you'd, you'd put your hand down to pick something up. They, they just come out of nowhere and they're just, you know, they're bastards. Um, yeah, they're not what they're you not think kitties. of. They're not kitties. Yeah, they're no. not kitty cats. It's not they're, like Hello Kitty. Yeah, they're like a wild, small predator that's ex- extremely vicious. And, you know, they kill things all the time. The, the feral cat problem in the United States is... Insignificant in comparison right. to what it does in Australia, yeah. though. Yeah. Australia, they have devastated ground nesting birds and all sorts of other species because they're an invasive species. Yeah, and there's nothing. Again, there's nothing really good. Yeah. Dingoes, maybe, but you know, that's they're not going <laughs> to. They their population is now. So, and dingo ate my baby. Um, but where you live is fascinating because you've got you got everything up there. You got grizzly yeah. bears. Yeah, you got a you guys got a healthy grizzly population. I have a buddy who yeah. went black bear hunting up there, and they could not find black bears. They found a really? horde of grizzlies. Okay, yeah, they saw yeah. grizzly after grizzly after grizzly. It's amazing. I mean, it is, and it is. It's such a good thing. It's, and when you see the sort of the health of the of the wildlife population, mm. it just it makes you feel really good. You know, yeah. and it's just fun, and it's. You know, it's hard to explain. I mean, people. I, I was up in Yellowstone, and and uh, once again, I'm always amazed at how people interact with wildlife when they're not used to it. Right. right. And Yellowstone's probably the best place to see that happen because yeah. there's so many tourists during the, you know, the the busy time of year, and they'll just they, there's no regard for the fact that it's a wild animal, right? And, right. and even the bison, and the bison will kill you in a hot second if they get pissed off, right? Yeah. And you'll get these tourists that'll, you know, get out of their car and, you know, and, and uh, the husband will be taking a picture and telling his wife to get a little bit closer, get a little <laughs> bit closer, babe. Now, maybe he's doing it deliberately, right? But uh, <laughs> so, but it's, it's an amazing it. thing. Yeah, 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 I'm sure he looks fine. And, uh, but it is, it's an amazing, that's another place for people. If they, if they haven't been to Yellowstone, go to Yellowstone. Yeah. It's just, it's well, it seems like a zoo to people. You know, you see yeah. these gigantic furry Star Wars looking things <laughs> out there. I mean, that's what a, a buffalo looks like when you see it in real life. You're like, yeah. God, is, is that real? Yeah. So they're so big. They are. They're massive. And then, and we were in, uh, we were there and, and at one point it was, it was getting to be twilight and, um, came around a corner and I was with uh, a couple of the, the rangers and, and, uh, um, there was a, uh, vehicle stopped. It was a, what do they call it? A minivan. And it was stopped on the side of the road and there were half a dozen people out of this minivan and they were all kind of fussing about, you know, and the, the, just you know, a little bit in the field there on the side. And, and then what are they doing? And then it became clear that there was a little calf out there, a little, a little bison calf. It was gotten separated from the herd and I guess they had seen it, but it, now you could hear it. It was kind of over there bleeding and, and, and uh, they wanted to get it. They wanted bleeding, to round it up. Bleeding meaning bleeding. Yeah, they were bleats, make, yeah the making noise. noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not bleeding. Um, although that, that was probably the next step in this calf's evolution. Um, was uh, they, were, they were trying to figure out how to round it up and get it back to its Oh, God. And the rangers, you know, said, oh, here we go again. And, it's, it, and they said, I mean, look, this happens. Unfortunately, people don't realize it's nature. And so they had to get out. And I stood there and listened while they explained to these people, look, this calf is somebody's dinner now. You know, it's going to be, you know, found and devoured by other forces of nature out Most here. Most likely wolves. Yeah. And, uh, and, there's a, and that wolf population is coming back up there, which yeah. is great. And so these people were horrified. They were, they were amazed that the rangers wouldn't do something like, I guess, catch the calf, put it in the back of the truck and drive it to the take herd. Take it to the zoo. Take it to the zoo. Take it to the herd or take yeah. it home and bottle feed it. It's not much you can do. And most likely yeah. if its mother left it behind, maybe there's something wrong with the mother mm-hmm. as well. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, who knows what the what the reasoning was behind it, but it was it was interesting. It was a, it was a good lesson. Um, but that, that, the places, that, the park system, anyway. I, I think we've talked about that before. It's just astounding in this country. It's amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. And the natural, uh, the, the uh, rather uh, national parks that uh, that we have, uh, and in Idaho in particular, you guys mm-hmm. have a lot of public. We got land. a lot of wilderness, uh, you yeah. know, and the, the Frank Church wilderness is insane mm-hmm. in yeah. terms of the size. Um, I read a really good book called The Big Burn. If anybody's looking for a book to pick up and read. Um, it's about this massive uh, forest fire that took place mostly in Idaho. And it was um, during the course of, uh, of uh, Teddy Roosevelt's time. And it also, so it also covers Teddy Roosevelt um, and his efforts and the way that he got, you know, kind of turned on to conservation um, and the beginnings of the firefighting, you know, um, profession, you know, for, uh, forest fires. Not, and... It's a fascinating read. I mean, you think about it, people are going to hear and go, really, I'm going to read a book about a big forest fire? But it's, it's incredible. And they weave in the history and the time of the administration and how they were declaring parks and, and what they were doing and, and how they tried to tackle this fire and what that meant for future conservation. And, and it's, it's, it's a fascinating book. So it's called The Big Burn. I'm drawing a blank on who wrote it. But if anybody's out there listening and wants a book, pick it up. How That's did good. they try to stop a fire back then, uh, especially a massive wildfire? You know, doing a, a lot of the same things that they do now, right? Cutting lines and, and, and breaks and trying to deprive it of fuel, feeding it back on itself. Um, it was uh, just manpower, just sheer manpower. And trying to, um, and, you know, putting up the, the smoke towers and, and, you know, and creating. And back then, that's what they were doing. They were What's actually a smoke to, tower? Well, you know, you, out in the middle of nowhere, you try to, you, you try to space out these, these um, outposts, these little uh, points on the top of uh, the mountains where you can identify smoke and try to catch it. You know, like if you've got an electrical storm, boom, then all of a sudden you see some smoke and you, you realize you probably got a start of a fire. You want to get on it as quick as possible. So then nowadays you'll call on the smoke jumpers and they'll go in, and that's an insane job. Um, to try to uh, contain it, put it out. But there's always been debate. Uh, what do you do? Do you let it burn? Do you? How do you? Right. You know, how do you deal with do these the, things? It depends. I'm sure upon the weather forecast as well. Weather right. forecast and the part. You know, it, it was politics, and it was. I mean, back then in, in Roosevelt's time, it was all the timber barons, right, and the mining barons, and the railroad barons, and you know they weren't interested in in uh, Roosevelt's idea of claiming land for the public. Right. Um, and so. You know, it, it was, I mean, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating read. And, and again, sort of go back to that same thing that we talked about before. How did this nation get cobbled together and how did it end up looking the way it looked? And Roosevelt had some real vision. Okay. Oh, he really did. I mean, we're so thankful. We should be so thankful because of that vision. We have this incredible national park system and all this public land. I talked to a wildlife biologist who said that that's one of the reasons why we have all these issues with like bark beetles and all these different uh, dead tree issues that when we get a forest fire today, it's like so out of control because we don't allow these burns to take place, which they do naturally in nature. Right. Yeah. And that's part of it. Because you, you can imagine what happens if you, if, if you don't do that, you develop the fuel over mm-hmm. a long period of time. Uh, and then you get a devastating fire. Right. Um, and and also apparently yeah. the carbon from those trees burning is actually good for the ground, the soil. It is. No, it is. It's very. It's and the the ability of the land to bounce back. I mean, Amazing. you know, we see it in, in Idaho all the time. I mean, the, and you get up in Montana and, and, and other parts parts of Wyoming, you see how quickly yeah the environment can can bounce back. And, how often do you see like wolves and grizzlies and stuff like that where you are? At? Um, 
wolves more than than grizzlies. The grizzlies will still, yeah, they'll still, you know, they'll, they'll try to keep to themselves. Um, but but you're seeing you know, more wolves. Ton of elk, yeah, more wolves. Um, we got a lot of everybody's got coyotes. There's coyotes right. everywhere. They're so resilient. They're like the the cockroach of the mammal. You know, yeah, they're pretty group, incredible. But, um, but uh, it's yeah, it, it's uh, I, I'd say if if you're you know, if you're looking at um, an accessible trip, you know, I get asked this all the time. What would you do? Where would you go? If you had like two weeks, you know, to take the kids and drive them somewhere, I would just point the car towards uh, Utah, Idaho, you know, Montana, Wyoming, and just, you know, just head up there mm-hmm. and then just see what you can see. You know, you got plenty of opportunity, a tremendous number of uh, excellent parks and, you know, show the kids something different. Right. Yeah, just and, you know, let them understand these vast, vast yeah. swaths of land that are just open wilderness. And take the electronics away, too. Yeah, give yeah. me your iPad. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, don't, yeah. Just hide those in the trunk. God, we're starting, uh, the kids all start uh, all start school tomorrow, and they know as soon as the school year starts, that's it. They don't get that's to the touch rule. electronics now for that's the rest of the year. That's a good rule. Yeah. yeah, no more. I mean, unless they have homework or something like that. It's just too easy to find, like, escape in that yeah. from life, and that life is critical for young minds. Even being bored. I was reading something about the power of boredom and how important it is for creativity. That is, well, kids boredom? today are, yeah, kids today are never bored. They never, like, have to think of something to do. They That's can always just look at their phone or look at the TV or look, and it never activates that part of their brain where they're searching yeah. and thinking. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but you're right, because they, we tend to plan everything for them. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you got to go to your, uh, whatever, your your hockey lesson. Now right. you got to go to lacrosse. Now it's going to be baseball. Now you've got a chess club or whatever the hell you're doing. Um, yeah, you're right. And and it's also, it kind of goes back to that idea that we used to manage these things for ourselves. Right. Right. And yeah, so kids would go out and they would organize their own teams. And I worry about that too. I mean, I look at God, you know, just the ability for kids to meet up at a playground and say, okay, we're gonna, and you know, maybe it happens and I'm making too much of this, but. We can't have that because yeah. Bobby keeps getting picked last and <laughs> it's right. terrible for his self-esteem. Meanwhile, Bobby's gonna become a software coder that makes the AI that runs the world. That's right. You know, that's what happens. That's right, all the chicks they are gonna want pissed. Bobby. Yeah. Bobby gets pissed and Bobby yeah. becomes Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk. I just said chicks. Am I allowed to say chicks? I don't yes, know I you can, can still say chicks. I can still say chicks. Okay. Just like you can still mock transracial people. Okay. All you know, the like, dames, all the broads. Ooh, that's where you get yeah, tricky. All the broads are going to want Bobby the coder. Broads a weird one, yeah. isn't it? Because they're not really that broad. Yeah. Like how'd that happen? And dames, we're not really private dicks from the 1930s. <laughs> so I guess is that what it, a dame was? Yeah, dame was. I, I I I don't know. I think of the Maltese Falcon or something like that. That was a know? dame, a private. Probably. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, they would say oh, that. that. They, they would, would say, say yeah, the dame, oh. you know, walked in. My life changed. Right. But broads so. is a weird one because it's fun to say. Broads is, is like broads. A, a, a bunch of guys. He's fucking broads. Yeah. Goofy broad. I love saying that. I feel like I should be smoking a cigarette <laughs> while I'm saying it. A, a cigar for sure. Yeah. Drink yeah. a martini. There's not a whole lot of things that chicks can say about us like that, though. Like bros. It's sort of like how black people never had a replacement word for the N-word for white people. Like honky... Just does not have any negative impact. It doesn't work. But like, it's b- a girls, throwback. It's a yeah. real historical throwback. Honky. I don't doesn't work. Remember the last time I heard anybody actually white say trash? It. Like whatever. That doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah. broads is a funny derogatory term for women. Women don't. I guess bros. They have bros. Douchebags. Yeah. That's probably that's probably more more to the point. Bros from is their perspective. white oriented though. Bros are always white people. You never say a bunch of bros and it's black guys. 
I didn't know that. I didn't what, know that. What See, you Jamie, what do you got? If you're younger, you'd be a fuckboy. Oh, it's that's a true. Bit of thing now, so that's true. You don't true. want to be called a fuckboy. Right, but that's but for black that a, people too. Like black people, uh, like that's Ian Edwards has that hilarious bit. It's uh, it's everywhere. It's universal though. Mm, it's across okay. the board, so we can all agree on fuckboy. Yeah, okay. well, I don't know what boy. that means. I don't. I don't. Is it mean like a? You gotta it, see Ian it's a derogatory act. term. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Because I mean, in some circles, who knows? Maybe that's a good thing. I, I don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Maybe like some a, cougar wants a fuckboy. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'm using this wrong. It's like speaking Italian wrong. I'm sure I'm not getting it right. I think you got it right. Eh, because you know. if you're in a situation where you're like an old broad who's got a lot of money and you want some young fuckboy yeah, and he wants right? a car, right? Yeah. It's a good move. No. Yeah. Like Although some, he's not going to have fuckboy, he's not going to sell for a Prius. You handsome to, personal trainer. That cougar's going to have to spend some cash. Yeah, she's got to get him a Ferrari. Sort of like how yeah. the guy who owned the, the uh, what was it, the the Clippers? That guy. Yeah, yeah. The old man, what the fuck's his Donald name? Sterling. Donald Sterling. Sterling. Remember yeah. he had that broad? He got her, he had a broad, right? He did he have got, a broad. That was, yeah. She was a broad. Yeah. She's yeah. a broad. Yeah. And uh, he got her like a Ferrari and a Bentley and bought her a condo. But the broads used to work in the steno pool, right? I mean, you know. The I what? In the steno pool. Right? What's the steno in, in the, pool? In the office environment back in the 60s. I think steno that's where. Steno pool? Yeah, you know, uh, stenographer pool? Stenographer pool, yeah. Oh, if you needed boy. Every, yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, you'd have, to, you'd have to get, you know, Marge to come up from the steno pool, <laughs> and she would take notes and then, you know, do the letter or whatever oh, that you'd boy. put on paper and you'd post it in the mail, and that's how you got business done. And that's hilarious. Whoa, that's a steno there pool. There you go. Look at that. Wow. See? There's a lot of broads in that steno pool. If I was one of those broads, I'd be like, I'd rather be a hooker. I yeah. gotta get out of here. Looks like there's some dudes in there, though. Probably. That may not be a steno pool. No. Maybe just oh. a couple gay guys. Are they, do they allow them to work with women back then? I don't that, think so. What a steno pools to cubicles and back again. Wow. Fuck all that. See, <sighs> you learned about steno pools, I learned about fuckboys. That's a trap and a half, yeah. though, isn't it? Imagine working in a place like that. I was like, what? Where are you going from here? Yeah. You're and just... the other one was the uh, the uh, the telephone command center. Jamie, the... take that yeah. picture up on the upper top, the colored picture. Look, right there. The one with the color in it. No. Oh, The right one there? with the girl holding up the sign. Oh, oh yeah. that one. Look at that. Swimming in the Steno Pool by Lynn Peril. Oh, God. A retro guide to making it in the office. Fuck. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that modern office equipment there, there in the <sighs> lower left-hand corner. Yeah, look at that, that typewriter. That gives you a sense of Baby. Yeah, the, the date of that book. No more writing with a crayon. See, nowadays, um, yeah, Cubicles. the office environment is much more dangerous now, I think. It's much more fraught with, with potential for hazards and landmine. Look at that, that recording device there. Boy, look at that thing. See? So he was talking, and she had to transcribe all that? Is that what's going it's on? It's like a dictaphone. What is with wow. the guy with the bowler hat? This is a movie. Yeah. Oh. That guy's like a spy or something. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Because, you know, we all used to wear dress like that. I don't know if you can, you can zoom in on that, but that was actually, we would get that after we completed training. They would actually give us an outfit like that, the, the entire the white hat. Yeah, and then the bowler hat like that's that. That's nice. Yeah. And then we would set off on our adventures. Like, what is that sh new movie, The Kingsman? Is that what it is? A bunch of spies out there kicking ass. I have not seen that. Teaching you deadly yeah. skills, like how to kill people with a pen. Yeah. They ever teach you like skills, like uh, how to use like regular things? Improvised you find? weapons. Yeah, yeah, sure. Field experience. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, it's 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 like knowing how to fire whatever weapon you pick up off the ground. It's right. just simply knowing, you know, what what would work. And most of it's common sense, right? I mean, in terms of what would actually you know do the job, um, but. Yeah, I mean it's it's just 
it's just uh, field expediency, which is good. Wasn't Mattis' quote? very practical information. Be polite, be professional, and have a plan to kill everyone you meet. That was Mattis? Madison? Mattis. Who was oh, that? Oh, I thought you were talking about no. John Madison or James <laughs> Madison. Uh, wow, they were tough son of a bitches back then. No. Uh, so Mattis. Okay, Mad yeah. Dog Mattis. Yeah, Boy, I'm President sure. Trump loved to say Mad Dog, didn't he? Yes. He was Rolled absolutely in love with Mad Dog, with that name. Well, you liked it because he had his own, like, hitman. Yeah. You know? I don't know. What do you think this is going? Do you think he's in for four years and... <sighs> Not no? anymore. Be polite, be professional, but have a plan to kill everyone you meet. <laughs> Madison. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of guy you want in that position. Yeah. You want a guy who thinks like that, and anybody who doesn't understand that, well, I'm glad you're not in that position. Yeah, because and that goes back to Afghanistan. We were talking about what's the end game. If you're going to yeah. do this, don't let it. Let's not draw. You know, kind of. Let's not do this thing where we're dying by paper cuts or whatever you want to call it. It's just. And that's kind of where it's been. I just feel like we've been in a holding pattern yeah. for years now when it comes to Afghanistan without really knowing where we're going or where we want to be when we get to the end of that road. And, and you know, so somebody like Madison and, and people in general in the military understand if, you, if you're going to do something, you do it to win. That's your objective. Yeah. And I worry that, well, maybe 4,000 troops is not exactly doing it to win. It's doing what they feel they can get away with, right? right? And I don't know where that gets us at the end of the day. Yeah, I don't... This whole Trump thing is getting weirder and weirder with every day. So to even predict where we could be six months from now, forget about four years from now, yeah, or three and a half years from now, I think that when you look at some of the stuff that he does, you really have to wonder about his mental health. And I don't, I don't say that like... You know, and there's a lot of people that are saying that, that I think because they would like to think that he's mentally incompetent right, and it'd be right. convenient for their argument. But when when I read that, I don't know what agency it was, was trying to get the um, IP addresses of people that visited an anti-Trump website. Mm, yeah. Did you, you hear about that? I like did. Sessions yeah. was working on that? That's... That's insane. It's, yeah, it is. Because I could have visited that site. If somebody sent me a link, you got to see this crazy anti-Trump site. Nah. Okay, that doesn't mean I'm a part of that community or anything like that. You can't get IP addresses right. from someone who visits things online. Either side, anytime. I don't care which administration it is. I mean, you can argue. I mean, yeah, it's just the the potential for abuse of power. I've always agreed with that idea. I'm a small government person, so the potential for abuse of power um, is, is always there and, and needs to be monitored. You know, the potential is catastrophic yeah, because and, as soon as people lose confidence and that's one of the biggest issues with Trump as a president, if people lose confidence in the institution, like one of the things that was very disturbing to a lot of people was that when he had those Russians over and he was explaining how ISIS is uh, thinking about using laptops as bombs mm -hmm. and they're like, Jesus fucking Christ, this is top secret shit. You're not supposed to say that because then this could potentially uh, compromise people that are embedded in ISIS yep. that are distributing this information. Like you have a bunch of people you're giving up this information. There's a trickle down effect and it also diminishes the potential for people to trust the office, right. trust the person running it. We see that all the time. You see that, I mean, the previous administration had problems where they sort of in their desire to rush to the podium to declare a victory in something. There was um, a disregard for sources and methods, a disregard for, for the importance of occasionally, you know, secrets are good on uh, in in many cases when it comes to intel operations you want to again you want checks and balances that's i completely get that and of course people are like losing their minds not going i can't believe it's a cia guy talking about checks and balances because you know i'm sure he doesn't believe it but it's true the place you know for that is in the uh, committees and up on capitol hill where you're supposed to have an engaged 
aggressively curious, uh, inquisitive um, operation up there between the various committees that are supposed or charged with overseeing, you know, the work of the intel community. And, and oftentimes they do know exactly what's going on. They just play this game where they disavow any knowledge when it looks like there's political blowback. There's a fairly well-worn path between Langley, as an example, and Capitol Hill for the briefings telling people this is what's going on, this is what's happening. And then, you know, the general unwritten understanding is, you know, they're going to be assholes if it becomes politically expedient to do so. They'll disavow that they knew about it. They'll demand, you know, it's just, so it's a game that gets played sometimes. But, mm. um, yeah, I think, um, I think that, it's 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 hard to say. I've got I've got friends who are very um, uh, hard left, and they're convinced that that Trump's on his way out in the not too distant future. Um, I think that's a lot of wishful thinking. Yeah, but I don't think he's going to make it four years. I might be wrong. It just doesn't seem like it. I think he's also a he's guy incredibly that, resilient, though. He right? is. He is. He's I mean, unusual in that regard. Yeah. He's also a guy though that wants love and respect and wants to be a winner. Like everything he does, like in regards to, you know, business decisions, I mean, he'll tank something personally himself to declare a victory, right? And yeah, you got to yeah. wonder whether That's or not he would put someone in position, you know, to say like the fake news is so out to get him that what we've done is we've created a structure that's uh, the best people for the job and that I'm going to concentrate on business and helping them from the outside. I mean, you could escape right and have some sort of escape route there's not there again it, it's it sometimes seems as if there's no uh, grown-ups in charge of the messaging that comes out of the white house right, right? and that's been the case since day one basically and part of it is uh, you know maybe people say well it's the way he likes to play it he likes to play people off of each other and he likes the chaos mm -hmm. and they well you know what he never ran a big organization people imagine or thought if they didn't if they you know if you didn't spend any time up in new york and having watched the trump organization for years and years and years if he hadn't done that then you imagine it to be this massive organization. Well, it's not. It's always been kind of a family business, right? And it's just, so the chaos that's around that shouldn't be a surprise. What is a surprise is that you know he wasn't, you know, he wasn't sh sharp enough, or what I don't know what it is, they, to to understand the importance of inserting the discipline in there, and at least if nothing else, being consistent and disciplined with the messaging that comes out, and just quit the fucking tweeting. Just, just stop the tweeting. But people say, oh, I love it. That's what makes him him. You know? Well, for and, people, it's an yeah. entertainment, uh, uh, you know, it's like it's a portal mm -hmm. for fun. Like For you, fun. I mean, that's what you're getting out of it. You're like you're seeing the stupid shit he writes and go, oh, my God. And you correlate some of the times so that he writes it. Yeah. And you it's think, only like 2 o'clock in the yeah, morning. Isn't that interesting? I, mean, I don't want, <laughs> but that's the thing. I don't. Uh, you know, again, I get it. I understand that people, you know, people are excited to have a genuine person who's not a politician in there. And, you know, there's some benefit to shaking the system up for sure. It needs some shaking. But, you know. I don't know how much shaking's actually been done. I don't want to. I, I mean, I, you know, I'd rather the president not spend as much time watching TV or uh, tweeting um, and working to try to accomplish something major in the way of tax reform or even the health care problem. Good Lord, yeah. we're, you know, we're not even going to get that done. I think there's also a real problem from the top down when the commander-in-chief likes to personally insult people. I think when you do that, you, you make that kind of behavior not just acceptable, but standard. Yeah. Well, it's like well, with your kids. I yeah. mean, they kids, you know, if they, or, or probably more to the point, it's like people... 
we talk about this fact that nobody can keep their yap shut, right? So secrets get out there right now. And that's yeah. because we've created this environment. If it's okay for a former defense secretary or a former head of the CIA or whatever, when they get out to write a book, right? And they're getting paid millions of dollars to write that book. So you know they got to cough up something interesting. If they do that over a period of time and they've been doing that, then people down below think, well, why the fuck? You know, yeah, right. We all signed the same agreements to keep our right. app shut, but maybe it's okay. Right. So it starts at the top, I think, you know, and, and, and it's just like with parenting, you know. I mean, they got to see you do the things you tell them to do. Otherwise, the kids are sharp enough to think, well, you're not doing it. Right, right. So, you know, I'm, so I think it's, you know, it, it, I don't know where I was going with that. I tend to get, I tend to get distracted rabbit hole and distracted. Well, this is a distracting subject because mm -hmm. it's really difficult to, to see how do we get out of this. Like, okay, we've, we've obviously got this guy who's run the country, who's mm -hmm. doing a lot of things that people don't enjoy. They don't like, they see a lot of problems in it, and they don't see a, a, a real light at the end of the tunnel. It's like, what's the best case scenario? Is this guy going to get us in a fucking war with, with Korea? So we realize, like, oh, North Korea and us, we, you know, we're going to war now. This could have been avoided. we got to get rid of them. I mean, what, what's the worst yeah. case scenario that has to happen where we can survive as a country but still just re recover from this that situation? War thing, the North Korea thing is, is uh, you know, is, is kind of frustrating in a sense, right? Because nobody should be out there thinking that, and I'm sure, you know, very few do, that somehow we got to that point with North Korea because President Trump is president. Right. right. We got to this point with North Korea because we kicked the can down the road for, you know, two and a half decades of failed foreign policy with North Korea and in part with China. And so they've been very clear about what they wanted to do. And now they've gotten to that point where they've created the weapons program and the ballistic missile program that they want or that they are close to having. And, you know, when you get to that point, you naturally lose some of your options, you know. So the decision tree gets smaller. And, you know, Trump happens to be the president in, in office now when North Korea reaches that stage. Mm. And North Korea is pretty consistent in the way that they've been behaving. You know, they're always you know, doing the same thing. They throw their teddy out of the cot when they get upset and they want some attention or they feel they can get something out of it. Typically, they do get something or China gets something that then they're willing to rein them in to some degree. Um, and just like, you know, Trump could well be the guy sitting in office when Iran gets to that point, because anybody right. who thinks Iran is not spinning the centrifuges and continuing to work on their weapons capabilities is, is somewhat insane. I mean, that, that there is no um, John Kerry said the whole Iran deal was based on verification, you know, on uh, and we don't have verification. We don't have we don't we haven't gotten access still to some facilities that we would need to see. Right. Uh, we signed off, or the previous administration signed off on a on a study or a, an assessment, basically just to get the deal done, because the Iranians insisted that that investigation into their capabilities at one of their military sites come to a close. It wasn't like we suddenly got answers and, and we were satisfied that there was no. And we just okay, that was part of the deal, so we'll end that investigation. But we don't have that verification. So Trump could, my point being, Trump could just be sitting in that seat. Uh, when North Korea gets where they are, when Iran possibly, you know, because that could happen sooner rather than later. And then, yeah, then you'd like to think that the person in that position would be rational. Yes. A little more reasoned. I read an um, article today that's saying that, that him saying all that crazy shit about fire and fury mm -hmm. like the world has ever seen might have actually been what 
he needed to say when you're dealing with someone like North Korea. And the, the, I mean, it was obviously an opinion piece. Right. But the, the argument was that when you're dealing with someone that's as fucked up as Kim Jong-un, you're probably better off having someone as crazy as Trump as president who's going to say some ridiculous shit like yeah. that. So this guy goes, all right, this guy's just as nuts as me. I mean, there could be, and, and of course, frankly, those messages that he, those things that he said, were probably more important in terms of how China received them than how North Korea received them. And honestly, uh, twenty plus years of, of measured diplomatic language and um, restrained talk didn't really do anything. It just kicked the can down the road. So, yeah, maybe maybe a different approach in a measured fashion. But the problem is because of their sort of the, the perceived chaos, nobody has the confidence to believe that he's doing it in a disciplined, reasoned way. Right. So they don't look at it and go, yeah, he's saying that's a message he's sending. Right. They just look at it and go, he's just, you know, blasting off another tweet. Except and, Scott you know, Adams. Scott yeah. Adams is the only one that believes this is some large, clever master plan. Wait a minute, Scott Adams. Uh, From Dilbert. Dilbert. Yeah. yeah. Do you know about that? No. Scott Adams is like the most rational, logical, intelligent Trump supporter that's ever lived. And he's not really a Trump supporter because he didn't vote for Trump because mm. he talks about these things. He doesn't want to vote for president because he doesn't want to have a stake in the game. But he believes that Trump is a master persuader and that everything he's doing is because of the art of persuasion. It's very interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. I, the, I, it falls apart under scrutiny. He well, kind of yeah. fell apart with this these, these arguments uh, with uh, a podcast with Sam Harris. It's yeah. pretty fascinating, though. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I can see where people, and I've heard that from um, uh, Trump supporters, you know, where they talk yes. about how he's, he's, everything's measured, everything right. in, in his own way is, is, is actually disciplined, because I've said numerous times that I, I think they lack discipline, and they say, no, 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 actually, this is it's all part of the plan. And I'm thinking, hmm, it doesn't look like it's part of the plan, because you've got other people that are in those senior positions that seem to be scrambling to catch up to the plan. And if it was part of the plan, you'd like to think it was... You know, it was it was part of a conversation amongst the uh, the cabinet. But yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. So I I don't think, I don't you know I, I don't think we're you know missiles aren't going to be flying between us and North Korea. I think China may actually see, at this stage of the game, um, they may see that they need to uh, affect a different mindset for North Korea, and they may be doing that. And and part of it may be again not necessarily because it was a reasoned, thought out plan, but. Trump's comments about the trade imbalance with China, right? And, and if the Chinese legitimately thought that we were going to, you know, put that under the microscope and maybe attack them on the trade imbalance in a serious way, then maybe they look at that and go, okay, if we can get them to back off, then yes, we're willing to extend ourselves and actually listen to the sanctions and, and take part in the sanctions um, and, you know, exert some additional pressure on North Korea that maybe they weren't in the past because China always acts in its own best interest. And so they're, they're looking for something. What are we going to get out of this? And maybe, so maybe that's, you know, and anyway, in the meantime, it seems to have resolved itself to some degree, but I, I do worry that, you know, once again, we're just kicking it down the road, you know, I mean, until there's something, some sea change where, you know, maybe somehow we can affect a, a unified, you know, uh, Korea with China's assistance, it's going to have to be with their assistance and blessing, obviously, uh, or something along those lines to get actual deterrence, you know, off the table and more of a removal of the nuclear threat you know we're just going to be doing the same conversation in another couple of years when they rattle the cage again and we have to figure out how to resolve it 
And the further you go down the road and the better their capabilities get, the fewer options you have. So. Well, Mike, I'm sufficiently depressed. Thank you very much. Uh, this is my job. Let's this is my uh, job. meet up again in six months if the shit hits the fan and see <laughs> how it's sorry. going. No, it's always uh, fun talking to you, man. No, I appreciate I just, it. You know, I appreciate I kinda, your insight. I went off on a tangent there. Don't we both did. Eh. But that's, how, that's part of the program. Cool, man. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, folks. We'll see you soon. Bye. Sorry about that. Oh.